Nancy said, picture tents and camp, meditate and look at the sky. This is great. She said, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said, dark sky with the new moon, right? Picture tents and camp. We call it she said, sounds like a party. She said, she said, she said, she said, she said, she said. That, that book changed my life uh, and uh, really helped complete the process of reaching manhood and helped me guarantee my path towards self-actualization. Okay, guys, welcome back to the Grand America Show. Uh, we're going to be chatting with Chase Joseph a little bit later. Man, we're backlogged. Gonna have to do something about that. Let's take a look at that. Anyway, yeah, it's a great chat with Chase. Um, before we get into that, of course, we got the Graham. I almost got killed in D D D and D Dunlop. What? <laughs> Humbled that one hey, out, buddy. Yeah. Well, no, I didn't almost get killed. Other oh. guys almost. Oh, did. you I survived. Yeah, I mean, I've been knocked out a couple of times, but. <laughs> You just Anyways. like lie on the floor when you're knocked out? Yeah, I just, yeah, I totally role play it, just fall to the ground. And, no. Wait your turn? Yeah. Till someone rolls you out of it? Yeah. No, I can't. Uh, you can't, can't just. can't do that. Huh. So anyways, uh, yeah, this is an awesome podcast with, with Chase. That's a good one. And, and I've just been thinking here, I'm just inspired because we get to do all these awesome chats about, you know, inner work as well and personality types. And we get into all kinds of stuff that you've been working on with chase That's as right. well. And then we just finished interviewing another friend of ours, Joe Roop about magic. And I mean, I just, you get to that point where you feel like it's all tied inspired in together. and it's oh. all tied in the, yeah. Inspired and tied in together and inspired to do work on myself and learn about magic and all kinds of stuff. I don't know. I just feel like I'm in that space right now. And then we get to have these little intros where we chit chat amongst ourselves and share listener emails and feedback uh, before the show. So we do this like half hour or 20 minutes or 40 minutes of, yeah. Uh, what Party time. Rambling. Rant. Rambling. Ramblings. Before the show. So yeah, we put a little timestamp in there where you can fast forward to, to the interview with Chase. But yeah, this is, uh, yeah, this this is, is a good one. We get one. to do some housekeeping. We get to beg for, beg for support and talk about how we're doing weekly. I guess we're doing it weekly live on YouTube now as well. So Wednesdays. we want to try and find a better way to migrate people over there as well. Now that we're kind of, well, we don't want to migrate anyone. I don't think Not you can migrate, check out the live show. I mean. It's another way to share the show Yeah, for sure. Mm-hmm. People that don't understand podcasts, they can watch it on YouTube. Yep. And we get to do all our listener stuff. What have you been up to? Spraining ankles. Really? How'd you do that? Hockey? Yeah. Trying is to it hurt? bad that when I get injured, I th- the first thing I think about is how many hit points I probably lost. I mean, wait, 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 that didn't happen at hockey, but when I fell down the stairs, like really hard, you fell down the stairs in the winter Oh, at my house, I was like, just boom, 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 coffee everywhere. Stuff's flying everywhere in the morning. I thought, I wonder how, how many hit points I lost. I was so now is that just like, just for, that's not real. It's a D and D. If you get hurt in real life, does it cost you D and D points? No. Okay. 
But I just, I just. So you're starting to actually switch. Your brain is starting to actually wondered, switch like, from I wondered, one. Like, how bad was that? Like, from one after or... shaking it off. <laughs> wow, in too deep. <laughs> we gotta shake you free for a couple of weeks. Send you on a cruise or something. Let's uh, get back in touch with reality. Worlds are colliding. Worlds are colliding. Yeah. So yeah, that's what I've been up to. Sprain my ankle and doing okay though. Mm. How you doing? I'm okay, yeah. Yeah. Hot, eating summer, lots. eating more food. Eating more food. Hungry. Losing weight, eating more food and losing weight. Yeah. That's Not weird. sure how that works. Tapeworm. It just means you're eating right. Yeah. What should I name him? Drawn. Graham. What? Graham? I will name my tapeworm Graham. That's a great idea. Perfect. So what do you knew what what do you got for us? Well, what do you want to I don't know. What do you I mean Well, I don't know. I want to play a jingle, I think. Well, I think we should probably talk about the feedback we got from Jim Lee's geoengineering oh, the history of weather modification. I mean, and oh, and the the chemtrails and all that stuff. I mean, we've gotten I've gotten tons of Graham is an all-in believer in chemtrails. It's supposed chemtrails. to be a new one with Darren. That's not happening. You know, you know what? I should have posted it on Instagram. I haven't even done that yet, I don't think. So, um, do you have any uh, feedback about the episode? I mean, I've heard that a was lot. Great. I've heard a lot of people say it's one of the best episodes on that subject, and in, and that we've done. I I haven't got any feedback like that, but I haven't been. You get most of the feedback. Everyone really liked it, though. I haven't got any negative feedback. That was great. Jim did a good job of uh, switching me around to, you know, figuring there's something going on there. It's pretty hard to refute. Yeah, he definitely had some really good actual. Now I'm trying to find uh, find out this. I just, you know, I gotta be careful about this. It's I had, huh? I had the feedback. From his episode, and now I can't fucking find it. Anyways. Okay, I'm going to read another. I'm going to read some more feedback. All right? Yes. Yeah? Yes. This is from Jake. He says, hey, gents. I just started listening to your show this spring, and I don't know what took me so long. Considering I've been listening, a listener of Carlwood, Skeptico, Gordon Over, those conspiracy guys... Uh, dark journalist Joseph P. Farrell, among others, for some time now. I'm fundamentally an avid reader of all kinds of f- authors with an ever-developing library, including Farrell, and some of my favorite authors like Matheson, Velikovsky, Jim Mars, Peter Lavenda, and of late, Paul LaViolette. Paul LaViolette. Which you were trying to get on. Yeah, I think and I, Lavenda, never, we I don't think he replied. Yeah. That was a while ago, though. I'm sure you guys recognize those names. In fact, Matheson was on your show, and it was a fantastic podcast. Anyhow, I was listening to the Greg Doyle episode while driving to a job site several hundred miles away from where I live in Lawrence, Kansas. My jaw dropped, and I was absolutely floored when he mentioned his astral travels involving seeing involving seeing giant airships or spacecraft of some sort. The reason is I had a vivid dream a few nights beforehand of another world, or perhaps of our future of being aboard a spacecraft hovering high above the surface of a world entirely layered by habitation and connecting metal structures. 
The spacecraft being amongst dozens of others hovered slowly nearby. I don't know what the context, but I suddenly jumped off the spacecraft I was aboard and free-falled with the goal of intercepting the spaceship directly below and to land on its surface. I remember having no parachute of any sort and felt utterly fearless. I was supposed to go aboard the spaceship and disable the craft or the ship's leader. After free-falling through the air and probably a thousand meters or so, I landed on the ship's surface, but it was a mission for which I was not meant to see the end because shortly after I woke up from sleep perplexed at what had just experienced. It was a memory, it was a memory which is hard to shake. Greg Doyle's discussion reminded me of how very real dreams can be and how real they are indeed. I got to get some dreaming tea. Yeah, well, you just got to stop the green no. weed for a while. No, no, we're not going that just see how, see how your dreams evolve if you just stop for a week. I fucking dream all the time and I smoke. He smokes more weed than I do. He's dreaming. Yeah, I dream a lot. Your fucking story's well, full of holes. That's rare. Is it? No, that's what, what Dennis McKenna said, too. Yeah. What you hear. That's because you're a bigot. It has me thinking in a whole new way about dreams because I've... Someone, had... give, someone send me some info on how to dream tea. Some dream supplements. Because I've had other very bizarre and striking dreams too numerous to mention here. In any case... I now want to enroll in Doyle's astral travel classes online and kudos to you guys for the intrigue. It was a way cool interview. I met, I meet regularly with like-minded friends at groups. We like to call C like in, in capital C where we watch conspiracy videos and documentaries and discuss ideas and relevant topics. I would love to bring up your show with you, with the guys. I will continue to listen and to support the Great America Show. You guys are doing a bang-up job with your guests and show. Love the format and everything. Best of luck, Darren and Graham. Cheers and much success to you both. So a big shout-out to the C Group, capital C. How come you're not in Greg Doyle's astral travel classes? i got to pick and choose, man. That was my favorite episode of all time. So how are you not in the class? Well, because I don't know. I got... It's good for the show. Yeah, I should probably do it, eh? Well, yeah. you should just start to dream, too. That would be good for well, the show. Well, I just asked for dream stuff. We'll put you through the through the course do you so you can ask to travel at will. Do you remember when I used to attend a group like that? Or, yeah. And then what happened? Why'd you stop? I got kicked out, remember? Oh, because <laughs> you wouldn't sign on for the lizard agenda? Yeah. <laughs> I forgot about that. That was a couple hundred shows ago. And Graham got kicked out of his conspiracy meetup group. <laughs> Graham joined the cult and got kicked out. Uh, pretty funny, to, eh? Did you ever keep in touch with those guys? Didn't you guys try and start up a new great group and it kind of just floundered? And... Well, kind, yeah, kind of. We, we, we met a few times. You guys should stuff, make a yeah. Discord. Yeah. Don't let that other guy in that kicked you out. Or will you let him in? Because if you let him in, he's just going to work his way back I into power. I would probably let him in. Just kick to prove you out again. He's just going to end up outmaneuvering you and no, you'll no, get no. kicked out of your own Whatever. Group. If that's meant to be, then that's meant to be. But I would show compassion to the conspiracy-minded people. Would you? Yeah. Okay. I would hope so. So here's an email. Awesome one from Dave. He says, uh, this is kind of from the last uh, episode. Jim Lee? Yeah, a little bit. I was listening to your show with Jim Lee on my Bluetooth headset while loading my three-year-old son into the car to go to story hour at the local library he couldn't hear the show but pointed up and said what's that daddy he was pointing at a huge chemtrail overhead 
I told him it was a contrail. What? He then asked me what made it, and I told him an airplane made it. Then he said, why is it not going away <laughs> then? <laughs> How old is this kid? Three. I said pleasantly, because it's part of a nefarious plot to geoengineer the planet. He seemed to ponder that one for the next 10 minutes or so, then went on to tell me a story about the duck-faced river monster. Don't know where that came from. <laughs> Anyhow, wow. love your show, and that particular one was perhaps one of the best ever. I just sold some of my sheep. When the check clears, some portion of it will go to supporting all your hard work. I'd be lost without you guys. Dave. Hey, thanks, Dave. Thanks, Dave. Awesome email. Send us some wool sweaters. Yeah. That's where wool comes from. Why is it not going away, Daddy? <laughs> because. Wow. That kid is woke. Yeah. Three. Woke at three. Got anything else? I can keep going here. Keep doing more Jim Lee feedback. I got some YouTubes, I think. Not a lot, though. I was actually surprised because I figured it was going to be a high comment episode. Yeah, well, it was. I just don't know where the comments are. I'm trying to find them in my email or they're somewhere else. But, Anyways. Uh, we got absolutely fantastic discussion, which shows that an average person doesn't need a degree, just the desire to do the research on subjects that interest them. I've shared this with many friends who are sitting on the fence. They now find themselves on their ass. Thank you, Great America. <laughs> That's a good one. As usual, better than all the competition. Excellent show. That's from our buddy Nick N, who frequents the chats. I don't always want to just read... Um, Positive feedback? Do you have some yeah. negative feedback? Well, no, but uh, see, I, this is more positive feedback. You know, I mean, like, sometimes it's just good to read, like, sightings and stuff like that. I did have a, an orange orb sighting I wanted to, to find. Here it is right here. Okay, so this is uh, this is from Thomas. Do you want to play the UFO sighting jingle or no? So we don't have... Oh, God. We just saw our first UFO. The beginning is awesome. It's like we kept saying, Yo, what is that? What is that? And it wasn't until after the events happened and it disappeared to the south in the darkness that we went inside. We stayed outside for a couple seconds and we went inside. And she sat on the couch, and I went to the bar, and I sit on a stool, and I took my glasses off, and we stared at each other for 5, 10, 15 minutes, who knows. And I got up, and I wanted to go back outside, and as I grabbed the door, I looked my wife right in the eye, and I said, we just saw our first new one. Never mind. And she looked at me back, and she goes, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, I know, All right, this is from Thomas. Hey, Darren and Graham. I wanted to share an experience I had two years ago concerning the orange orbs. This is probably... A Terry Ray? Yeah, this is going back to that one. Wow. One of my favorite UFO episodes of Terry Ray. You just have so many favorites. <laughs> I, I think it was around 60. Episode 60. No, not that far back, you think? It was before numbers. Really? Mm -hmm. Wow. I've listened to your episode on the orange orb since having this experience, but it never occurred to me that that's what I saw until last week. I had just considered it an orange UFO, which it was, but I guess it ties to the greater orange orb phenomena. It was really a comfortable summer evening. I was living with my girlfriend in northern Toronto, where she was renting an apartment in an elderly lady house. I had been wanting to try and meditate, and I finally felt like I could just shut my mind down. I usually spend my summers mostly 
nude because of the heat and my general comfort. In the backyard where we were staying at was quite private and no one could see in. It was dusk. I stepped outside while nude to meditate in the amazing weather. After some time, I had visions, but they were too fleeting to recall. After this happened, I tried summoning a UFO. As I stood outside, I spread my arms and thought, I am here. I am here. I want to see you. That's like what you did. Almost. It's okay. You can show yourself. Just then, I saw a bright flash that flew just out of my line of vision. I saw about 45 degrees of the sky from my vantage point. I continued with the powerful thoughts, and a little while later... I saw these two orange objects, which I would have described as paper airplanes, whiz across the sky super fast. Faster than any plane or anything man could have flown. One of these objects remained at a constant speed, and the other one accelerated quite quickly past it and out of vision. Past it? What an experience. I haven't really tried summoning in that way since. I also wanted to share a song I recorded with my new synth about eight years ago when I was my second year at college. Maybe you can use it somewhere. If not, I hope you enjoy it. Anyhow, keep up the good work. You guys are changing the world. Wow. A couple Did of years at a time. I don't think we're changing the world. Maybe our little corner of it, tiny. Maybe. Yeah, well, maybe just people feel uncomfortable to share those experiences. And the more we talk about it, the more people feel comfortable. True that. True that. Do you ever worry about creating... Uh, yeah. That I think we're. I'm more worried we're not about there yet. Yeah, I could, you know. Yeah, that's fair. That's that's a word. What else you got, buddy? Nothing. What do you want? End the show. Okay, All right, let's go with. Down and Graham, going deep. Off guard. It's a profound UFO quote of a week. I was going to play the biohack one. Ooh. Words to ponder and Just force me into something. Yeah, I was going to try it, but I... It's a profound UFO quote of a week. Why don't you sing into the mic? I did. Oh. So this is a profound UFO quote of the week. We heard the material was coming to right field. It was brought into our material evaluation labs. I don't know how it arrived, but the boys who tested it said it was very unusual. And that was Brigadier General Arthur E. Exxon. Was it space weed? No, it's crash material from Roswell. How do you know? Obviously. Obviously. Uh, okay i'll I'll read another one right above it here right above it after the plane from roswell arrived with the material i had asked the base commander to personally transport it in a b-26 to major general mcmullen in washington dc the entire operation was conducted under the strictest secrecy the weather balloon explanation of the material was a cover short uh, cover story to divert the attention of the press and that was from Brigadier General Thomas DeBose, commanding officer of Wright-Patterson Air Force Base. Affidavit. 2009, January 16th. Oh, sorry. September 16th, January. No, September 16th, 2001. <laughs> Ooh. So there you go. So it's like a couple of days after 9-11. Hmm. Five? Yeah. Wow. 
Maybe he just distraction. Thought, no, he just thought, "Fuck this shit." After nine eleven, I'm gonna sign an affidavit on what happened to me at Wright, Wright Patterson Air Force Base before I get took the fuck out. <laughs> there you have it. So where's he? What was your last coffee in the back? What's that? <laughs> we actually had. Uh, I have a patch on my sprained ankle. It's a peptide patch. Who is it? Yeah. Eat it. I think it's BP157 or BP197. It's got a whole bunch of amino acids and peptides in there to heal. So I just. Does it work? Is that pretty good for pulling one out of my, you know. Out of your shoe? Yeah. And there was also coconut oil in the coffee. Yeah. Does that count? Does that count as butter? Yeah. I think it's the same no, idea. No, no, it's not. It's no, not? Butter and coconut oil is the proper way to do it. Really? Yeah. Well, I had both. Did you? I had ghee and coconut oil. So you've been, probably, you're a couple years behind me, but you're trying the Bulletproof coffee. How are you liking it? I stopped. It's too expensive. Yeah. that's. It's fucking ridiculous. And, I, and it's a terrible tasting coffee as well. Yeah. So I'm out. You're out. You're back on the. I'm back on the regular coffee. But you can local, still get the. You I'm getting can still local do, coffee. But you're not putting a ton of sugar in it like you used to, right? I'm so doing honey, coconut oil, and goat milk. There you go. And sometimes yeah, I go to Starbucks and get coconut milk lattes. Coconut milk lattes, yeah. But I'm not supposed to be having milk right now. And you're you're the bi- you should be doing the biohack jingle. So you're eating like breakfast now. <laughs> <laughs> That's Is a that a biohack? <laughs> Started eating breakfast. Less chips at night. Which led to eating lunch. Ground. Which led to eating supper. Yeah. Good for More you. supper. And you're looking slimmer. You've lost you some weight. Lost you lost weight. your little paunch there. Gone, buddy. Jeez. It's just summertime. Started doing some exercises. Really? Yeah. About half the time. What kind of exercises? That's an app, seven minute workout app. Hmm. It's harder than it looks. <laughs> I haven't up to the 14 minutes yet but I'm pretty consistent with the seven about half the time. Um, no, I do it on days that I don't go out and do other things. So if I go out and play baseball or if I go out for a hike or something like that. Yeah, of course. Yeah. Then, you know, after I carry my kids a couple miles, I figure I'm good for the day. Yeah. Um, so I've been doing that. I'd like to, uh, my yoga still is not good. It's like once every two weeks. So I don't feel like I'm gaining anything from it yet. I think you need to like get into the rhythm before you... That's a tough one. You might not feel like you gain anything for a while, but then all of a sudden something will click and you'll feel like, wow, okay, that's pretty Because I'm still pretty sore. I mean, just cutting out fucking gluten seemed to take care of a lot of my aches and pains, but I still got my shoulder problem. So how how is it cutting out gluten? Because that's that's super hard for me. I've done it a few times on and off, but... first couple weeks were tough, but I got, I'm a lot, I eat potatoes still, so that helps. A little bit of gluten is. So I'm not, I'm, I'm, uh, yeah, I haven't had it in a month. Once you go, once you go the first two weeks, it's nothing, nothing. I actually thought about having some just to see what happens, but I don't think I want to go down that road because I'm not really taking any of my pills anymore. You know, I've cut way back on my pills. On your allergy pills? Yeah. Really, eh? So that's helping out too? Yeah. But yeah, no, I, I. What was the other thing you were doing gluten, for your allergies? Gluten too? and dairy seem to be a big thing, a big thing for. Oh, the, um, uh, what do you call that? The. For body fat. 
So now I'm eating the more histamines. Food are you eating less histamine? Eating less. Type yeah, food? right now I've got my histamines cut out too. So that's a lot. It's oh, it's a lot to deal with now. But the gluten isn't that hard, man. It's pretty easy to go. You know, any of the restaurants I've gone to have all got a gluten free options now. So is a lot of this, a lot of this new sort of health kick that you're on that you you're playing the biohack jingle subconsciously for yourself. I guess so. Yeah. Even though I pulled a patch on my ankle. You're just piling through your fucking gut truck breakfast and trying to pull you back in, but. Yeah, I'm fully on the gluten train. I can't get off the carbs and gluten. I crave it. I'm still having carbs. I crave it. I'm still having carbs. Bread. You got a a lot of bread's bad. A little bit of gluten is okay. So, but uh, do you attribute some of this to your, like, we had with this episode coming up was with Chase, and there's a lot of work you've been doing. On yourself and reading some really good books and stuff and like that's got to yeah, play a part. part it's all part it's of all it i just figured right? if i'm gonna do that i might as well do it all at the same time yeah it seems easier to do that if you're because then yeah, you know it's and easier you to noticed, just do it all at the same have time. you noticed a change in your in your sort of emotions and your brain and and uh your clarity or anything like that with changing your diet and the exercise as well because oh, i notice a difference getting out of bed in the morning really it's a huge difference that's the main difference i notice after dropping fucking gluten is that fucking i don't i'm not foggy in the morning <clears throat> that morning fog is sort of gone yeah but you're also you're bit. also less smoking less as well that could not all the time no the i'm fog. still smoking just as yeah, much sometimes well, some, you said you're cutting back depends on the day so that could be some of it though right maybe yeah, i don't but, think so though there's definitely days that i'm smoking just as much as i have huh well, and even that would kind of depend on the And the histamine yeah. stuff comes from John, right? John was helping you with that, and yeah. that so that means you're you're are you, you're eating fresher food, and you're letting it all fresh you know, food, all fresh. Is food. Is that the key to that? For the most part, no no uh, cured stuff and things no like pickled that. Pickled stuff and no pickled stuff. I'll be able to get back into that stuff once I get my gut sorted out. I think. But you've noticed a huge. I haven't noticed your sneezing and stuff with your allergies like that's does it really help do you think yeah it's made a big difference for sure wow that's i awesome. could see myself transitioning right out of it over the lot over the next few months right out of out of taking the pills and oh ta- oh really well how often do you yeah do and then that? after like well i was on like 20 milligrams or 20 yeah 20 milligrams a day and now i'm down then i was down to 10 and now i'm down to like 10 every couple of days really yeah. And is that going to save you some cash too? Or? No, it's all paid for. Oh, is it paid for? It doesn't really save me anything, but it saves me the hassle of taking those pills and getting the outbreaks if I don't get them. Is it paid for by the Canadian medical system or your company insurance policy? Company. Oh, okay. Yeah. So it's not paid for. It's a company, combination fucking, of that. I'm fucking my... paying for your pills. You are? Yeah. The fucking rates are jacked up and I'm paying for your pills. So that'll save Listen, me Mister, some money. I use every massage and every fucking <laughs> acupuncture and every fucking. That's what's jacking up the rates, not the prescriptions. Okay, fair enough. <laughs> it's no, preventative, it's, preventative maintenance. The diet changes have been good. There's a few things I definitely want to reintroduce, but for the most part, I feel better than I felt in a long time. That's that awesome. that's definitely, awesome. I feel more powerful too. You know, I'm starting to powerful. feel that more powerful. Like, what do you like mean? I'm gonna fuck you up. <laughs> All 150 pounds of you. Yeah, 160. 160. Yeah. So dairy and bread. That's when I hit the. Uh, that's when I'll start hitting the gym. That'll be next. And look out. And I'll get the steroids. <laughs> get crazy. 
What else you got? Uh, Synchro? We could wrap no, it up. Yeah, that's about it. Really. I mean, I do have, I, I got one more, that's, I got one more recent email that's pretty cool um, from an older couple that I would like to, uh, to read. And then we'll, we'll call, okay. it, call it an intro. Okay, let's hear it. Hi, Graham. I hope it's okay. I, I don't, sometimes I ask people if it's okay to read, and this one I haven't. But I've got some other cool emails that I'll save that'll be sort of more appropriate for other episodes. All right. Read Hi, away. Graham. I hope to do two things in this email. Number one, introduce myself as a listener. Number two, say thanks for the show. I'm 68 years old, live in Donna, Texas with my wife of 45 years, Deborah. We have three children and four grandchildren. We retired in 2007. I was a maintenance electrician in a cigarette factory. My wife was a neonatal intensive care nurse, and we became RVers a couple years before I retired in anticipation of hitting the road. We did it with it, which we did with a vengeance full time. We spent a year traveling and seeing the sights, family on the West Coast, etc., before deciding to slow down somewhat by taking short term jobs as a couple. It's termed we're camping. Now, this is like, this is what we should do. Let's just fucking. Go RV and work camp and podcast. Okay. And play D and D. No. Okay. You had you lost it. <laughs> you can go play you do D. It. All you need is an internet connection. We can work camp. That's yeah. Well it's I don't know exactly what it is, but so because generally an R V site is provided by your employer. Oh, okay. So you just it's like like almost oh, like kibbutzing. Almost like kibbutzing in a way. Working at camp. Lots of fun, lots of work, depending on what you're doing. I could go on, but fast forward to today. If you're podcasting, you just go wherever the fuck you want. That's right. Where there's Wi-Fi. I hope they don't mind the swearing. But my wife is suffering from chronic back pain, and our days of working as a couple are on hold until she's feeling better. I have to take a job in the interim and working as a gate guard in the Texas oil fields. My shifts are 12 hours, 6 a.m. to 6 p.m. I can work as many days as I wish before taking a day off. Since I'm too far from home to commute, I work a block consisting of a few weeks and then take several days off. I'm able to spend my, spend my time waiting for someone to check in and check out through the gate on the internet, which is where I found your site, which leads me to item number two. Thanks. I found your show after searching the term UFO podcast. Wow. That That's works. really interesting. In what? Just In what? on the web Googles? Well, uh, okay. yes, probably. Yes, probably. Because it says I was able to listen without the effort to install a player of any type. I found this helpful. When I chose my first archived interview, I chose Rick Smith. Rick Smith. Who's that? I'm not sure. <laughs> <laughs> You want to search that? I think maybe he's talking about the, uh, oh, I wonder which one it is. That's funny. I thought about that too. I was like, which one's Rick Smith? Anyways, the most pleasant surprise was the amount of time and how you spent this time prior to the interview. I felt as if I was helping out with a couple of good friends, interesting people, each with their own worldview. The banter was lighthearted, poking fun at one another back and forth. I liked the tone of the podcast, talk of the igloo, etc. Out of space. Oh, he's out of space. Like literally out of space in the email. So let me get to the next <laughs> one. <laughs> We've had Rick Strassman, Rick Simpson, um, Rick Dyer, and Rick Delano on the show. Ooh. 
No, Rick Smith. Uh, Dave was, Richard? Uh, Richard Smith? No, that was Dave Bryan, wasn't Richard it? Richard Smith? Dick Smith? Richard Parker. <laughs> <laughs> I like the jingles. It took some attention to understand them completely, and when you did, there was always a laugh involved. Each segment, such as Synchros and UFO Quote of the Day, offered something not found on other podcasts, something I really enjoyed. But the clincher was when I listened to the interview, both your demeanors changed. No longer just joking around, but delving into the subject matter with keen insights and questions for the guest. Rick Smith. <laughs> Next, I chose the, the Black Budget. Episode. Next, I chose the Black Budget release, Randall Carlton. Who's Randall Carlton? <laughs> yeah, I'm just kidding. Randall Carlson. Another I'm quality just guest. kidding. Another quality guest, another quality interview. About this time, I realized I was a great American. I wanted to support the show. I have since given you boys a like on Facebook specifically for the Jim Lee interview. Well, thank you. That's where the other one came from. In my comment, I stated I am proud to support Darren and Graham. My current PayPal amount is set for the minimum, but I will be upping it in the very near future. I hope all this sounds like thanks. For that is what I set out to say. Your friend, Ken in Texas. Hey, thanks, Ken. That's an awesome, awesome email. Big shout out to the our viewers and the work campers out there. Ken P? Yeah. That's who sent us the story. And we have some mail. You're not going to do your little P.O. box jingle? Uh, I don't have it on the soundboard. Oh, you don't have it on the soundboard. Hmm. So Darren's opening some physical mail. It is always we cool to get physical emails and also Ooh. physical mail. And, uh, oh, and some greenbacks in there. I like, how, I like how you Americans actually just email cash or mail cash. And we have a... Sh- dear... T- <laughs> What's so funny? <laughs> Dear Daryl and Graham. <laughs> Dear Daryl and Graham, congratulations on a fun and informative podcast. I'm enclosing a small donation along with a copy of Numbers Game, a short story I've written. My hope is that you will read it aloud during one of your shows. Sincerely, Ken. Awesome. Yeah, yeah maybe we will. Maybe we'll save Once it for you the... Stop ad- calling me Daryl. Maybe, we'll <laughs> maybe we'll save it for the... Uh, for the black budget when we do the essay reading and stuff because we do want to do some shows like that where we just do some reading and, and interrupt each other and stuff we think that'll be fun I I have I'll read it and I'll just, I'll, we'll see if it's short it might be just good for an intro true word up there you have it check hookamerica.ca slash support guys uh, like Ken did and sign up for uh Weekly, monthly, or yearly today, even if it is for the lowest amount, it still helps. And it helps us keep the lights on, pay the bills, and replace our breaking, ever-breaking cords. Yeah, t- totally. Gas. We, yeah, we couldn't do it. Gear acquisition syndrome. We can put Graham into Greg Doyle school. Get this guy fucking astral traveling. Good, yeah, we, yeah, could we couldn't do, do it. We didn't start out like, we didn't start out thinking we'd ever need support, but that's what it's come to, really. And uh, we do we appreciate are. it. We do appreciate <laughs> it. Remember I said, I'm never going to ask for it. Like, we got to ask for support. So we try to get past the 1% uh, yeah. the amount, right? That's I mean, right. we uh, like some shows, they, I don't know, they get pretty good. Five, pers- 10%. Five, which is, you know, that's that's really good. That's but right. we're, we're just hoping 1%, 2 3% of people maybe donate a couple bucks and help us out. 
That's right. And then we do like a separate black budget feed, which, you know, you don't have to pay for, but any one-time donation or any monthly recurring will get you access to that. That's right. Darren sends out a personal email for that. Personally. There's not, what I mean is it's not automated. It's not you automated. Just, you're, just, not, you're not going to get a hello or a thanks, though. He'll just send you the yeah, fucking Yeah, it's just links. a copy-paste. It's just a copy-paste. There's paste a thanks in there. But I see it. If you want a personalized thanks, then you got to send it to Graham. Send it to GrahamAcroAmerica.com. It seriously does help, though, guys, and it is, uh, you know, probably about every one in 150 that take the time to sign up and support the show. So if you can do it, it makes it pretty special. Yeah. I think that's about it. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's about it, guys. Enjoy the chat with uh, Chase. Yeah. We've got Chase S. Joseph with us, coach, writer, speaker, friend of the show. Darren's been chatting with him quite a bit. Uh, we're going to be talking about personality types, Jungian archetypes, probably a lot about uh, working on ourselves as well and sort of a little bit of self-help stuff and yeah, maybe some machine learning algorithms as well. <laughs> yeah, probably all sorts of... Um fun stuff and personality stuff and yeah good stuff that should really you know there shouldn't be anybody in the audience that doesn't isn't you know this this is everybody yeah or at least it's supposed to be yeah so welcome to the show chase thanks thanks for having me uh on long and short notice simultaneously (laughs) yeah That, that'll happen. Yeah, well, thanks for sticking around. I mean, geez, we could have rescheduled, but that's that's all good. No, I I honestly didn't want to, and uh, I I had moved. I had planned on doing it this week. I just for some reason thought we we're doing it Sunday instead of tonight. But that was perfectly cool too because I definitely had an opening, and I wanted to do it sooner than later. So it wasn't actually a problem by any means. I'm pretty excited to talk to you because I. I once we set this up, uh, geez, it's probably been like a month and a half ago or whatever, you know, you've been talking to a couple of friends of mine and helping them out. And it gets me excited because one of the first things that got me into podcasting was listening to some stuff. Um, you might've heard some of the, the a new, the new man podcast was one of them. And trip linear was one of the, the hosts, I think of that podcast, but it was really about, you know, men's groups and, and, um, sort of like the new man, right? Not the, between the, the macho jerk and the new age wimp kind of thing. Right. And it kind of reminds me of some of the stuff that you guys are doing. I mean, I, I might be way off, but I was kind of excited to talk to you about all this. Yeah. I, 
I, I'm willing to, uh, to go to like any, any level of depth with it. Uh, it's, it's really an interesting science and it permeates absolutely every component of human interaction and human life. And a lot of people just don't know about it. Uh, it's mostly because people have viewed this science, which the science is called Jungian analytical psychology. It's okay. like, ooh, it's this voodoo thing yeah. that only the super smart people at the uh, uh, psychology universities speaking with giant, huge ass words that they can't, you know, I, can, I can't even spell them, let's be honest. Uh, <laughs> do you think, is anyone like a layman actually going to be able to uh, derive any good quality for life-changing information out of that? Hell no. They're not even going to bother or waste their, waste their time. And I'm sorry, but psychology is in a lot of cases, one of the most boring sciences ever. And then on top of that, you have people telling you, Oh, it's just a pseudo science. So why pay attention to it anyway? You know what I mean? Yeah. So, so yeah. So what, so where do you want to start Darren? This is a pretty, pretty big topic, broad topic. Yeah, it is. We should, I think we should just kind of maybe give a quick breakdown on what exactly, because I mean, I really got drawn into the personality type thing right off the bat. So if we could maybe give a, a quick rundown of sort of where that comes from and what 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 that sort of means, I guess, in a real quick sort of condensed version so and, we can expand on it. And when you say personality type, is this like Myers-Briggs kind of stuff or, or more of a Jungian thing or is it a hybrid? Well, I think well, didn't the Myers-Briggs, isn't the Myers-Briggs developed from the Jungian ones? It is. Uh, and in fact, actually, uh, contrary to popular belief, the MBTI or Myers-Briggs type indicator is literally just a test. That's it. It's a test. There, it, it's, not, it's not a part of the science. It's not, it's not developing the theory or anything. It's just a test. That's all it is. The test exists to determine or help a person determine one of the 16 personality archetypes or personality types that they have. That's all it is. It's just a freaking test bad it's it's it sucks <laughs> yeah yeah i didn't i i, I haven't even done that test yet i, I just took chase's times. word for it <laughs> so i'm what am i i'm an infp yeah that's right infp also known as the dreamer uh <laughs> super moral uh has their own little internal dreamland their uh uh call it uh idealistic world that they want to bring into reality because that's a better place to go to because reality sucks that much. And sometimes in your daydreaming, your ideal world, it would be nice if you could take some components of your ideal world and bring it into this reality because reality just sucks, uh, you know, especially to INFPs because they're like, really, do I have to live in this reality? This sucks. Why can't, why can't pigs fly? Why can't, uh, why can't cars uh, go back in time? Why can't, uh, why can't this truck, you know, as a, an additional fuel tank, have perfectly ice cold Coca Cola available to me at all times? You know, I mean, the sky is the limit in the dreamer dreamland, basically, in that regard. But uh, that that's just one of the sixteen archetypes. Uh, but your archetype, it's fantastic. It's uh, it has some of the highest. It's tied for highest uh, moral awareness. Uh, you always know about exactly how you feel about everything. And your mind is literally going, this is good, this is bad, this is good, this is bad, 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 good, 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 bad, bad, good, good, et cetera. You know, yeah, when you're thinking about things like, okay, this is good, or I feel good about that. 
And then at the same time, you're also aware of what everyone wants. And then that gives you the ability to predict human behavior. You can predict what people are going to do before they do it. It's called extroverted intuition. Your intuition just can see things before it happens. It's a form of prescience. It's a form of uh, seeing into the future, precognition, basically. It's just a, a limited uh, spectrum. And, uh, you know, and, and then your inner child is all about like what you're experiencing, what, what makes you comfortable, and uh, what you like to taste, what you like to do on your own. It's also where your sense of duty and loyalty and honor and justice comes from. It, it makes you into this very dutiful person. That's why you and Graham have such a great relationship because Graham needs somebody around him who is loyal to him and you are loyal to him. And you guys are best friends in that regard. Uh, and now Graham's all about what he wants to do, but you're all about what you should do. And uh, you're, you like to give Graham what he wants and he likes to give you a good experience, right? So it makes you comfortable. And then Graham also makes you feel good and you feel good but you're always asking Graham what his thoughts are. And like, hey, man, what do you think about this, et cetera? You know, do you, do you think this is a good thing? And then Graham's like, no, 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 I don't think that, no, that, that, that's bullshit. Let's not even do that. Or yeah, sure, man. Actually, I was thinking about that the other day. And uh, yeah, if you think if you do it this way and then Graham can go into the mechanics and you're like, okay, yeah, that makes sense. I, I feel good about that. Sure, I'll, I'll go ahead and do it. And then you're comfortable doing it and then it happens. Or Graham's about to make a decision himself and he's like, how do you feel about this? And you're like, dude, no, I wouldn't do that. I mean, if you do that, this bad thing's going to happen, then this bad thing's going to happen, then this bad thing's going to happen. And it's like, what the hell? You know? So then you have that opportunity to warn him. And he's like, okay, yeah, you're right. I don't want to do that. I'm not going to do that anymore. Sorry, guys. No, no, no thanks. Uh, uh, good point. I'm not, I'm not going to do that. Uh, you know? So that's just kind of how your guys' interaction goes. Uh, you know, Graham being a more, mentor-like person, always got to show you something. And uh, you're like, yeah, I, you like to be shown things. and But you also give Graham the freedom that he needs to do what he wants, right? And he lives in the moment that way, right? So, uh, and it's good for you because people who live in the moment, you know, they're, they're more mechanically aware. They're aware of the physics, you know, they're aware of like how things just innately work, you know, but uh, from your point of view, you're more of the metaphysics because Graham's like, well, what is, I mean, this, like, this is a water bottle, you know, what is, you know, it has dimensions, it has height, flaska. weight. It's a, it is a flask. I just got that mine in the correct. mail last night. Did you? It is, <laughs> it is dope. I blame, I blame John Brisson. <laughs> Me too. I got it. I, I ordered it on John's thing and I'm brushing my teeth with fucking powder. <laughs> takes a, it fucking takes a half an hour now. <laughs> I thought two minutes was tough. You're pulling with coconut oil. <laughs> So God Darren, does that John Yeah, does that feel like you like are you are you going around going good good bad bad good good like does that feel like you all this like sometimes, this, this extroverted sometimes intuition the dreamer the dreamer stuff definitely does yeah and then uh, a lot of the I mean there's some negative aspects to it too and a lot of those seem to line up with me a little better too as well yeah it definitely when I started doing listening to his rundown because Chase did a video and a podcast on the type so that kind of you know gives you. Th 40 minutes of, of, of it all. And that's, that definitely resonated with me a lot of it. Yeah. So that's and kind then, of, I mean, it's not just that chase also got me into some books and some, some stuff that has really started to make a major impact on my life. Yeah. yeah. And yeah. I'm only like 25% through the books. So. Yeah. Yeah. No, that's awesome. And I love how you guys sort of trying to figure out our dynamic and all that and how, so did you guys think about how, I don't what, care about our dynamic. What, did, 
Are we diff- are we different types that work well together then? Or because some people say that we have a really interesting dynamic. But I mean, I only met Darren a a year before the podcast. Not a, yeah, like a year before the podcast. Probably tops. like we became fairly good friends and. And we do have something special on the show, I think, but I don't know why that is, or or I didn't really ever think about the types of persons, people we are, and how we um, interact. But I mean, that is definitely something we hear all the time. Is we've got this weird chemistry, and none of that was planned. Like, no. If we could write that, then we'd be writing stuff. Well, you guys, you guys actually have highest compatibility in the same way that John and Titus at FixYourGut.com have highest compatibility. You guys have highest compatibility too, because Graham is like the mentor, and then you're the uh, the dreamer. What this means is, is that so here, let, let me give you like a basic rundown of how that actually mechanically works. So, uh, so imagine a skeleton, right? And then you take out of the skeleton, and you just have the skull and the uh, um, um, the spine, basically, okay, and that has the mind and the nervous system with it. That's basically a sperm, right? And that is the sperm, and then like the nervous system coming out from the sperm, basically, is the male contribution, the masculine contribution to the egg, right? And then the egg is basically the rest of the body. And um, so the skull and skeletal structure with the nervous system is actually a radio. It's a radio where the mind is able to tune into eight different spectrum at any given time. And four of those spectrum are for decision-making and the other four of those spectrums for perceptions or uh, gathering information, right? We call those, Jung called them cognitive senses. Uh, but nowadays, uh, like colloquially or contemporarily we call it cognitive functions so con- so functionally speaking with the cognitive functions everyone's mind has these eight different spectrum that they uh, tune into and everyone is able to tune into the different so the same eight spectrums the difference is is that some of them are able to tune into other spectrums better than others right but it's all balanced so for example uh, we'll just use this as an example. Uh, Darren's head has uh, 100 frames a second of morality hitting his head, whereas you, Graham, you have 100 frames a second of ethics hitting your head, basically. Uh, so you're aware of the collective value judgment. You just you walk into a room, Graham, and you're like, you just know how everyone's feeling. You just you just know, and you you, you always spot that one guy who's just not feeling that good, and you just gotta you feel compelled to go talk to that guy, and she'd be like bro, what's up? You know, and the guy tells you a story and you're like, well, but if you did it this way, wouldn't it be better? And he's like, oh yeah, man, that's a really good idea. I didn't even think of that. Good point. And then all of a sudden he's happy with the rest of the event and it was as if nothing happened. You know, uh, that's just one example, you know, of what people could be aware of, you know? Uh, so the eight, the eight cognitive functions are the spectrum they go in. So how does that work with your guys' minds? So for example, Darren is aware of how he feels, but Graham is aware of how Darren feels. Okay, cool. That works. And then uh, Graham is aware of what he wants, and Darren is aware of what Graham wants. Uh, Graham is aware of what Darren is doing or the experience he's having. Darren, uh, Graham is always aware of when Darren is comfortable or uncomfortable. That's why Graham seeks to make Darren more comfortable, right? Uh, Graham is always aware of what he thinks. But guess what? Darren is also aware of what Graham thinks at all times, right? And this is just an example. Those are your egos. The top four functions represent your ego, and your egos are just perfectly intertwined because 
One is aware of how he feels. The other is aware of how he feels. One is aware of how he thinks. And then the other is aware of how he thinks. Because, yeah, and then it's just, it's just shared together. And it allows you to have the absolute best possible relationship because you guys can read each other like open books completely. And you cover each other's bases. You know, uh, Darren's more safety oriented, uh, you know, and, and, uh, and can provide warnings and, and to the gotchas that is coming in Graham's direction. And, uh, and Graham is more free and able to uh, handle, you know, physics and mechanics a lot more and can provide advice uh, to Darren to fix those uh, mechanical issues. Like maybe if a car broke down, for example, or, uh, or switching out something with a light and whatnot. Uh, or anything that had to use with tools, et cetera, those options are there, you know, uh, and it can happen. Oh, here's another good point. Graham is one of the most forgetful people in the world. And Darren you got, remembers I think you everything. Might, you might have this opposite there. I don't know. Yeah, that really? one, on that, that one, one yeah. yeah. And the mechanical thing, the mechanical thing as well. Darren's probably more mechanical than I am. So there might be some, some, cha- some opposites there, I think. That could be learned. Yeah, maybe. Right? Yeah. Instead of like inherent skill. Yeah, maybe. Oh yeah, it could be. <clears throat> that's that's an interesting thing to think about, actually, Brody. But we can't hear you, so it's. <laughs> <laughs> Brody had just said that that he thinks there's a difference between learned behavior and inherent oh, yes. skill. Uh, so like uh, like I could have learned my skill for building, and because I've been doing it for twenty years, whereas if Graham would have got into it, he might have had a natural aptitude for it. That's Brody's 100% correct. So the, what we call that is the difference between human nature and human nurture. So nature is these archetypes. It's natural mental capability. Uh, Graham literally could be that guy on a whim who could buy a broken up motorcycle and then for, for the first time ever just have it in a shop and get a manual out and literally figure it out and put it back together, especially later in life. Not so much earlier in life because it takes a mentor like Graham to mature and develop those mechanical abilities later in life, especially because he's trying to aspire in that realm to become even more mechanically capable as he gets older. Uh, but that's, that's, that's just, I'm speaking about natural aptitude in that regard. Now, from a nurture standpoint, if you're thrust in a situation where you have to learn you know, building when you don't have that natural aptitude... A good part about Darren's psyche is that he can remember those things and then on a per like a case by case basis, on a per task basis, he'll have like a particular tool he picks up and he'll remember all of the tasks that he's ever done with that particular tool. And then when he's doing a new task he hasn't done before, he'll use pieces of data of old memories of when he used this particular tool to try to figure out how to deal with that. And that's how he adapts. Whereas Graham picks up the tool. He may not have used it before with the task, but he just naturally knows how the physics works and he'll just figure it out on its own because it's like, you know, yeah, up and down and physics and normal thing. But from Darren's point of view, it could be different this time, right? It could be different in that regard. And if he doesn't have experience with it in the past, then he's able to actually gather that information from past experiences and use it. Whereas... With, like I said with Graham, it doesn't have to rely on past experience. It just, it is. Because Graham's aware, aware of what is, whereas uh, Darren is aware of what if. That's, that's basically the big difference right there. Huh. Interesting. I find that Darren's a little more um, 
like this short term. He's got a really good long term memory from stuff, but his short term memory and there's an absent and there's an absent mindedness. To <laughs> you, you son of a bitch. <laughs> <laughs> Awesome. I was about to go into that. I'm pretty absent-minded sometimes. But, but My wife long, would agree. But your long-term memory, like, like, you can ask him something that happened like a year ago and he'll remember a conversation of exactly what, what Oh, went you can down. ask a son from 20 years ago. He could recite parts of his childhood. It's because I have a big problem with, sorry, I have, I have a big problem with like just today. Like I have a huge problem with just like where your set, keys are. Where my keys are. Like just today, like Lisa came over, she just cleaned the counters or and everything the in the kitchen. And I just like set a bunch of trash there and I'm just fucking forget. You know, when I set it down, seriously, in my head, I'm like, I'm just setting this here for a second and I'm going to (laughs) come right back and I'm going to deal with it. But then like, poof, I'm gone. Yeah. All the time. Keys, wallet, passport, everything, (laughs) anything that's important. That's what it really seems like. And then like, honestly, the day before I left to the States, I lost my wallet fucking eight times. Wow. Because I had a bunch of money in it. I had switched all my money because I like cashed when I go down there. So I had like a thousand bucks cash in it for the gas and hotels and everything all the way down. So it's like for two days before, like not just the day before, two days, the day before I left and the day I left, I must have lost that wallet eight times. And I'm wow. fucking scrambling wow. looking all over That's the place crazy, for it. Because ne- I never lose my wallet. Never. Well, I always find it. Yeah, I know, but like, it's just always, I know where it is all the time. And it's like when I should be hyper aware of where the fucking thing is. <laughs> should be in my fucking pocket, probably. <laughs> so what you guys are not- noticing is the difference between extroverted, extroverted sensing and introverted sensing. So introverted sensing is what Darren has. And that gives a person super long-term memory access. They have this gigantic hard drive and everything is written a hard drive. But if you're an introverted sensor, you lack random access memory or RAM in a computer, right? And RAM is short-term memory, which RAM has short-term memory in spades. And he's also able to know where physical objects are. Of course, if someone was to move those physical objects of his and putting them in a place that they were not before, that would really piss Graham off. And uh, not not cool to go in that direction. He does get mad when he comes in here and I've moved his stuff. <laughs> oh, <laughs> oh, yeah. Totally. I come in and I'm like, what the fuck is going on in here? He gets the studio's a mess. I'm like, oh. <laughs> So, yes, you're right. Long-term memory. But you have amazing short-term memory. The problem with the short-term, like the problem with the long-term memory is that you have, you lack short-term memory. And like, so if, uh, if Darren was to misplace his wallet, he won't even, it's not in the short term memory because it's short term. It's like, that's exactly where, where what it the feels hell like. is it? But then two days later, you'd be like, oh, that's where it is. And then there it is, you know, and then he finds it and it's not a problem anymore because time has gone by for his mind to uh, take that data out of the short term memory, the small amount of short term memory that he does have, which is about 10 frames a second, and stick it into his 50 frames a second of long term memory access. Uh, for his awareness. And then he's able to remember where that wallet was. It's like, oh, thank God. And, you know, it, it just takes a couple of days and then boom, there it is. But after a while, you like, know, I can, I can time. literally picture times where that's happened. Yeah. And I, I'm like, oh, fuck. And the weird thing is, I, I know, like, I remember, um, like, usually when I, let's say I got to bring something to work the next day or I got to do all these little, little tasks, I'll, I'll remember those pretty much. And if I don't, it pisses me off because I feel like I've been, unaware or distracted or something like that. But when it comes to remembering a long-term, like something that happened, let's say six months ago, a conversation, I remember the feeling of it, or I remember like the a sense of the conversation. But for me to quote exactly, if I was asked like, what did he say to you? 
I would probably say like, I'm, and I'm comfortable enough to say, I don't, I don't know. Like, I can't remember exactly what was said, but I remember the feeling of it. I remember the gist of it, but I can't, I can't. What about numbers? Yeah. Numbers are. are like, good. I still yeah, remember, numbers. like, I swear I remember every phone number I've ever yeah. known in my life. Yeah. Like, numbers are okay for me too. But it's just that I'm not comfortable quoting something. Cause I also want to be authentic and genuine. I don't want to just, I don't want to make up something. Right. And then. So yeah. I, a lot of times I have to say, like, I, I don't know. I don't know what happened then. And that kind of bothers me in some ways because I should remember those details. Yeah, I, and, that, and that is an example of how that works. Extroverted sensing, because it's short-term memory, when you have all this data that your mind is trying to keep track of and keep it in short-term memory so you have quick access to it, well, the problem is, is new data is coming in every day and pushing old data out. And then your mind is just naturally aware of data that just doesn't necessarily need to keep. And it just throws it out and say, like, okay, well, if this is important, it'll come up again. No problem. Yeah, you know, yeah. another, another way of looking at it is totems. Um, so for example, an experted sensor, when they're around physical objects, they have their memories attached, their long-term memories attached to the physical objects themselves. This is what I call toteming or totems. And uh, it could be any physical object, it could be a phone, for example, or whatever. Uh, but when you pick up an object, you basically remember the last time you've used it. You're, you're reminded of all that time where it goes there. This is why people like, you know, women have rings in their fingers for like when they get married, et cetera, especially if they're extroverted sensing, they take it very, very seriously, more so than the introverted sensors, because it reminds them as a symbol and it brings them back to getting married and brings them back to all those feelings, et cetera, because of what that symbol represents, that little token. Is that and, me or Graham? This is Graham. This is more Graham uh, approach. Whereas an SI user like Darren, yeah, that 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 could be important from like how how you feel. But you, regardless if your ring is on your finger or not, you remember your wedding. You remember the entire thing. You could probably even say exactly what the preacher dude was saying or how the it vows were handled. Uh, girl, fair enough. <laughs> but it, you, you can definitely remember almost every single detail. Uh, Whereas Graham has the ability to have his memory stored in physical objects. This is also why it may be necessary for him to take notes and have sticky notes everywhere, potentially, or have a notebook on him or to be taking notes on his phone because storing his memories in physical and in, in the physical environment is necessary for him to remember important things in case something gets into long-term memory access because he needs to be able to keep it in short-term memory. Whereas you, you don't have to keep sticky notes. You're just going to remember when it gets to long-term. If it's still in the short term, okay, yeah, it might be a good idea to have a sticky note here and there, but you don't really need them very much because once it gets the long-term memory access, it's like, okay, great. I remember. Unless but of it's course, a Bitcoin password because those things are fucking retarded. I know, right? Yeah. Or, I mean, another way to look at this is the elderly. Elderly people suffer from Alzheimer's or dementia, right? The, the ones that suffer dementia are actually almost always uh, introverted sensing users. The ones that suffer from Alzheimer's uh, are extroverted sensors. Oh, wow. That's interesting. Yeah. But that totally makes uh, sense. I mean, my notes folder on my phone is jammed. I mean, I take the show notes. Um, when we're playing Dungeons yeah, and Dragons, I'm the something. one taking the notes in D&D. Yeah. &D, like, it's fuck, he's That's right on You're the You're always taking right notes. Every time I walk into your office, you got to pull out your little, your little planner and start writing stuff down. <laughs> Hell yeah. Hell yeah, man. I take no notes on anything unless I, <laughs> unless it's something super critical. 
And I pay, yeah. I pay, I pay Sometimes I feel bad because I'll walk into a meeting. It's like everyone's got a book and I'm just like. Yeah. I mean, expert sensing, introvert sensing even goes even further. It, it also determines your sexual response too. Uh, oh boy. And <laughs> here, we, here we go. <laughs> no, it's true. It's, it's, it's really true. Uh, like for example, an extroverted sensor is someone who wants to give sensation to other people. They're all about giving sensation. An introverted sensor is all about receiving sensation. So who's who? And so Graham is an extroverted sensor. So he yeah. likes to give mm-hmm. sensation in the bedroom yeah. Yeah. and, uh, and kind of drive the bus as it were. He's um, a bus driver. <laughs> he's the bus driver. <laughs> oh man, that came out wrong. Yeah, That's then, gonna be a soundbite. And then you're and he's not yeah. the bus driver over here, okay? And he's driving a different bus. And you're not the one that bus. needs to feel it. Yeah, that makes sense too. Easy, but yeah. you're making you're not helping. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. And uh and predominantly uh and predominantly people are this way with their, with their sensing functions. And, and it goes even deeper. Like when you get to the intuitive functions, because Graham's like, well, I want to do this, you know, like, although Graham, to be fair, is very responsible with what he wants. He's just not going to let himself want things. But when he wants things, it's, he spent a lot of time thinking about it. He's, uh, He's very much more responsible. But this also causes Graham to be very critical of other people with what they want because he's like, well, I'm really responsible with what I want and what I desire and what I allow myself to buy or do or make decisions on based on what I want. But I see everyone else out there is super irresponsible. And it's like, why do these people want to do this? They're stupid. Like, come on. Like, where? hello, uh, why are you wanting this? And then it's just it causes Graham to be critical in this way. And that, that it can even go deeper than that too. Graham can end up being like looking at others and he's at risk of jumping to conclusions sometimes about their intentions because you could mistake their intentions and then make decisions based on uh, mistaking their intentions. What can actually cause, what can backfire on him socially if he's not careful. But, but luckily he verifies with people and, uh, uh, is able to like, you know, okay, hold on. I need to verify that's true first before I jump to a conclusion. Yeah. And as Graham gets older, he's able to do that. Uh, and, and the older you are, the more mature you are in most cases. And then you're able to become more integrated with your persona and your, in the four personalities inside yourself. Hmm. And then because of that, you're able to behave more maturely, but like very, very young mentors, uh, they don't do that. They can jump to conclusions about people's intentions to the point where they're assuming that people are betraying them, assuming that, yeah, that this yeah. person's cheating on yeah, them or yeah. when, when it's not remotely true. Yeah, and, I really try not to, to do that judgment. I feel myself going there yeah. and I really try and be aware of like, don't, like who knows what the fuck is going on. They might, it might not have anything to do with you. Like really try and tamper that. It's always got something to do with you, man. Never does. <laughs> it never does. But I mean, I, I think that's part of recovery work too. Like when I went through recovery and, and trying to get clean and sober, that was part of that. Like not taking other people's inventory and not like, you know, assuming shit about other people, right? Just looking sort of <clears throat> looking at your own stuff and stop resenting things and all, all that kind of stuff about <clears throat> building up resentments and, and uh, judgments. So. Yeah, it, it's it's definitely important. Uh, my father uh, has the same psyche you do, basically. Uh, so he he's a mentor as well. And I had this one situation uh, a while back. 
there's this kid I have, that he knew in church and he got addicted to drugs and destroyed his family and it was horrible. And uh, 20 years later, the kid was completely cleaned up. Everything was, was great. And he's like, I, I really want to talk to your dad. I really want to talk to your dad. I'm like, okay, yeah, sure. I'll talk to my dad about it. And then I talked to my dad about it. I'm like, hey, dad, uh, you know, that guy, if you remember a long time ago, well, he's back and he wants to talk. He's like, I don't want to talk to that guy. <laughs> like, what do you mean? The, the point is I'm trying to make is that mentors have a hard time with letting people change. And uh, because when the mentor thinks of a person, they remember exactly right back to how that person was, you know, decades ago and, and how that was a horrible experience and how they're hurting other people, making people feel bad, uh, being unethical, uh, being super selfish and depraved and uh, how they just don't want to have anything to do that. And being near that person just brings them back to that. And there's like this little emotional trauma that comes with it. And they just want to have anything to do that. So they have to cut themselves off completely. Uh, which, because, because mentors are aware that, uh, I mean, uh, sages do this worse. They're the INFJ, uh, but the ENFJ has a little bit. But mentors are aware that if they're around bad people, they'll start to mirror those people. So the mentor has to be make sure that those that they are around are good people because they do not want to put themselves at risk of being corrupted by bad people around them. That's right? interesting. So are you, are you saying that, so I'm a me, this mentor type and what is that? The ENFP? Is that what, is that what it is? The ENFJ. ENFJ. The ENFJ. Okay. Yeah. The J for yeah. jackass. And then what are you? You're the INFP, Darren? You're the, what are you? The dreamer. Darren? The dreamer. The dreamer. Dream both. <laughs> He's the dreamer that doesn't dream. Like, yeah, like, and like, fit, like dream while he sleeps. Like, I've been dreaming a little. He's a daydreamer. We'll call him that. Yeah, yeah no. Joseph with many colors. Just get him a coat of many colors. That's that's all you need to do. Oh. <laughs> we promise not to sell you in slavery. We promise. <laughs> really? That's awesome. So, so uh, what else? Can you talk about some more of your stuff that even my read? stuff? Yeah, I've just been reading books. <laughs> And they've they've been good for you. Yeah, they've been pretty influential. I mean, I took it took it and ran with it with some other people I know, and kind of, you know, I've been spreading. Especially the one book I've given that book to probably like eight different people now. The No More Mister Nice Guy book. Oh yeah, that's that's life changing. Oh, absolutely dude, life changing. I, I mean, I'm not going to get into the any of the details here, but that book set set in motion some pretty profound shit that happened over the last four weeks for sure. Yeah, stuff that I didn't see happening. And so, wow. uh, yeah, it, I mean, we can well, we can talk about some of the details of that privately, but uh, yeah, stuff that I didn't see happening in my lifetime, let alone kind of all sort of happening at once. And it was a pretty crazy month. And then I drove fucking like fucking 3,000 miles and listened to music and had some time to fucking reflect on it all. Yeah, yeah. I, uh, that, that book changed my life uh, and uh, really helped complete the process of reaching manhood and helped me guarantee my path towards self-actualization. Uh, I, it, it, I basically have a rule. like uh, if, if you're male, you read this book. And I also tell women too, oh, by the way, you should probably read this book because it gives the women tools with which to hold their men accountable. Uh, and it can be actually really healthy for the women. But also I've noticed that women that read this book actually end up developing humility that causes them to become more respectful 
right? Yeah. yeah. Because being a woman being respectful is super important for a relationship. Why is that? Well, it's because it's never good enough for a woman to say "I love you" to a man. Like never. It's not good enough. Why is that? Well, it's because women have this problem where they can love just about any jackass on the street, right? So because of that problem, men like to be preferred. Uh, they they like to be regarded. They like to be honored, supported, uh, loved, and Sup- supported. supported. And that and that is the definition of respect. <laughs> yeah, that one only. Lo- love love is inclusive in the definition of respect. That's why love is not good enough. So it's more powerful for a woman to say to a man, I respect you, right? So you give me like a Victoria's Secret model, you know, she's naked on my bed, nine out of 10 beauty, whatever, but she's arrogant. I'm going to throw her out, like straight up, get out of my house and, you know, not even give her time to dress, just throw her out because that she is disrespectful. A beautiful woman, sure, is a woman who has physical beauty, sure, and she's pretty and all, and that's fantastic. But a beautiful woman is the one who's got that plus the respectfulness respectfulness goes a long way. Respectfulness in reality is actually what endears men. It's what really uh, brings uh, men to women is that respectfulness. And that's why you see, you know, these men who are like super highly esteemed, they got the nobility going, they they got their manhood going, you know, they got it all that. But you see them with this woman, it's like, why are you with that woman? It's because she's probably the most respectful woman he's ever met. That's why they're together. And she is giving him what he needs because men are seeking that respectful woman. You know, and, and if there's ladies listening to this, you know, if you're having a hard time uh, in your relationships with men, either the men are man children. Of course, then again, why are you with man children? Because shouldn't you have personal standards and personal boundaries to keep you away from those man children? But if they're not man children, you're still having problems with them. Maybe it's because you're disrespectful, you know, and, and I would challenge you to find out. And if you need to figure out how to be not disrespectful anymore, the only way to do that is to humble yourself. I mean, it takes a lot of humility for a woman to go to the gym, right? Women have this problem where they're constantly judging each other all the time, especially at the gym. Like, you know, because men look at life as this big pie and we're just trying to get our slice, but women look at life as this big pie. Well, why do you get that slice? You know what I mean? It's this competition they always have with each other and they're about to tear each other apart. And it's especially difficult at the gym because you got all the skinny bitches everywhere, right? And then you got all the, you know, and uh, and they're all judging all the, all the fat chicks coming in, trying to better themselves and whatnot. But it takes a lot of humility for a woman to humble herself and go to the gym because she recognizes that she's not all that in a bag of chips. And it definitely sets her on the road to respectability. And I'm just using the gym as one particular yeah, yeah, example. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what can guys do to gain the respect of women though? Cause I mean, a lot of women are going to put that on their guys and say, well, he doesn't deserve my respect or he's, you know, he's acting this way or he's doing this and that. So. Awesome. Uh, yes. So there is, there is a path. Well, man children uh, is huge. It's a problem with society yeah. right now. Like, yeah, well, I, if you had to put a percentage on man children, what'd you put it at? Oh shoot. Eight out of 10. Jesus at Christ. Least. I mean, that's yeah. kind of what I was thinking. Yeah. Seven I don't, out know, of ten I, I don't really hear there. that term very much. Can you explain a man child? So, yeah, yeah. A man child is a man who consumes more than he produces. Uh, a man child is a man who does not, uh, who, who is of age. Okay. So, he, but, so he's of legal age, 18 years old, right? Uh, who does not have a job, does not have his transportation, does not have his own place. Okay. 
that that automatically qualifies you for man-child instantly. Um, it just that uh, on top of being unhealthy, on top of not having proper financial management, uh, on top of uh, not having their priorities straight, uh, living by the fist, which is faith, family, fitness, finance, and friends. Faith being faith in oneself, not necessarily a belief system. Right. Uh, family, taking care of the family, which, oh, if a man has, uh, has babies with a woman, even in an illicit relationship, but is not taking responsibility to be a father, okay, yeah, he's a man-child, for example. You know what I mean? I'm sorry, but fatherlessness, fatherlessness is the biggest disease that, other than ignorance that plagues uh, first world culture. And the only, and this is why I do this, is specifically to put a stop to fatherlessness. I am so tired of little boys not knowing their fathers. I'm so tired of it. And yeah. it, it's, it's, it's really what is destroying our culture. It is destroying everything. So I have to work backwards. Okay, how do I solve that problem? Well, working backwards. The answer to the problem is, is to create mature masculine men, men of the mature masculine. So to answer your question, how does a man become respectable? Because yeah, a woman's got to be respectful and that's fantastic. But the man also needs to deserve that respect too. He has to be respectable. So what is the man's respectability? Where does that come from? Well, it comes from nobility. Uh, and what is nobility? Nobility is defined by the four roles of the mature masculine, which is king, warrior, magician, lover. And this is also from Jungian psychology, uh, these four archetypes. So king, uh, a man becomes king when he has his own kingdom. Well, how do you get your own kingdom? Well, obviously, you got to have your own castle, you know, a home, your own home by yourself. You have to have your chariot. You got, you know, your car. Uh, you have to have a job because you have to produce. Kings are generative. That's the whole point behind being a king. You are generative. You are producing more than you consume. This means you can take on subjects, subjects like a queen and children or, and potentially being a patriarch of her family because all the men in her family are screwed up, right? How many times has that happened when mature, mature masculine men are taking over the, the man patriarch role of other of their women's families because her brothers don't have any of that figured out or, or much less her father or and if her grandfather's still alive, you know what I mean? It's just not even there, right? So king, king is first and foremost. Once you establish king, you started your path towards manhood. This is why I tell young boys who are high school age, don't go to college. Don't even do that. Focus on getting a job. And this, is, this has become a meme actually amongst my audience, but uh, uh, get a forklift license. It costs only 200 bucks in like four days of class and a test that they won't let you leave until you pass it, okay? Then you're instantly hireable and you're making at least most places in the States 15 bucks an hour for the first year. And then after a year, you can get hired on Amazon and get 22 bucks an hour plus benefits as a 19 year old. Okay. And then you can get Western Governors University for $600 a month and get your college education that way instead of ending up with a heaping pile of debt and screwing over everyone's lives after that. Right. So then, you know, that seems like a wiser decision to me. But, but no, you know, we need to send people to Berkeley and get charged $150,000 a year. Awesome. You know, but King, you have to produce more than you consume because then you are generative because that's what Kings do. And then you could take on subjects. Warrior is what you need to protect your kingdom. So financial management, right? And also health. 
you have to be eating clean. Organic non-GMO is the standard that I preach to people. And then I also tell them, you know, maybe you should go to the gym. And if you don't know how to manage your food in the gym, uh, go to eat2perform.com. Hire Eat2Perform. It's awesome. It's like 20 bucks a month. And you got some coach telling you exactly how much food you should be eating every Every day, so you don't have to think about it. Then you just program it in My Fitness Pal and just do it over and over and over while doing. Uh, choose whichever lifting program you want. Eat to perform will tell you what lifting program to do at the gym. Fine, you can do that, or you can go and do your own. You can get my favorite is Tom Fanuto's Burn the Fat, Feed the Muscle, the TNB twenty eight lifting schedule. That's my preference, but to each their own. The point is, is that the man is focused on staying healthy because if you don't have your health, you got nothing. Because if you don't have your health, you can't be a king anyway because you're not generative because you're too busy sucking off the government pit at that point because you, you need the benefits to keep your health up because your health has gone to shit. Like, come on. Magician, the, four, the third archetype of men's respectability is all about teaching other men to become kings and warriors. That's really all it is, is raising up other men into the mature masculine, raising up other men into maturity and becoming real men and shedding their man child. You know, the child, the, the boy has to die so the man can be alive. And that is the magician. That was the role of the shaman in ancient times, the very tribal communities. That was the shaman's job, the tra very transcendentalist. But they're the whole point was is to initiate young boys into manhood so they can be generative for their tribe, for their society. That's the whole point behind magician. And then magician ends up collecting the ultimate resource, which is wisdom. Wisdom is the most important, most precious substance in all of existence. Because if you have wisdom, you can have anything. You can have anything you want if you have wisdom. But wisdom comes from suffering, right? And it, all of that suffering that you had to do to get to king and warrior has built up wisdom within you. And that's why you're able to use it as the magician, confer it upon your fellow men, raise them up into the mature masculine. And then once you have those three archetypes, you become the lover. And it's not just your relationship with a woman. It's enjoying life in general, like imagining what it's like to be an ant because you're appreciating ants or going to a Froyo bar or watching a, a Deadpool 2 in the movie theater by yourself because you're taking yourself out on a date and caring about what you want for once. Lover, that's what lover is all about. If, you, if a man is doing these four archetypes of mature masculine, he is noble, he has nobility, and he is respectable. And if a woman doesn't respect him after all of that, throw her in the dumpster and move on and find someone who will. That's, that's, that's as easy as I could say it at that point. But to be honest, women are not dumb. They'll be like, oh yeah, I am so attracted to that respectable man right now. He's going places. And you know, they're going to hop on that, that hayride and, and never let go. You know? So it, that's, just, that's kind of how it works from that regard. But how does a man reach those four archetypes? It's just one simple thing. And it comes from John Milton's Paradise Lost. Uh, there's a scene in there where uh, they're in the Garden of Eden and it's before the fall of man. And God sends an angel down to go warn Adam that the devil is coming. And the angel shows up at Adam and Eve's place and they sit down uh, you know, at a table or whatever. And they're having a conversation. Adam's asking the angel, well, how the moon work? How does the sun work? You know, how to, like scientific questions. And Eve just gets bored out of her head. She's so bored 
So then she just leaves. Yeah, I'm going to go be in the garden because I'm bored out of my mind. You know, and as soon as she leaves and shuts the door, Adam turns, looks at the angels. He's like, bro, isn't she smoking hot? I am so tapping that ass. And let me tell you, the angel's like repulse. He's like, dude, really? Wow. You do realize the cows do it. Is it that important to you? You do realize that if you keep carrying on like that, Mr. Adam, that your wife, Eve, will never respect you. And then Adam freaks out and he's like, oh, Mr. Angel, please help me out. How do I solve that problem? And the angel looks at Adam straight square in the face and eye contact and says, hey, well, all you have to do, Adam, is esteem yourself and never cease. If a man focuses on esteeming himself, he will naturally reach king, warrior, magician, lover all on his own. As long as he is esteeming himself and never stops esteeming, why is it when people graduate from college, they stop growing? It's all about personal growth. It's about constant, forever personal growth. Yeah. It's all about esteeming yourself. So is and that what that, esteeming means then? Is it, what, what do you mean yeah. by esteeming? Like, <clears throat> yeah. Um, like building self-esteem in a way? Or? Yeah, yeah. Or, or, or building self-value, self-worth, uh, achievement, accomplishment. Authenticity uh, or... Yeah, uh, reaching reaching new heights and levels, challenging yourself. Uh, uh, you know, like uh, one way that I've esteemed myself is learn a foreign language. Another way that I've esteemed myself is try to uh, uh, hike Yosemite, the, the most difficult hikes you could possibly do at, at Yosemite. Uh, additional ways of esteeming myself, uh, I have a certification test tomorrow, for example, that I've been studying for a while. And I'm just constantly focused on self-improvement yeah, and building yeah. myself up. Yeah. which naturally builds up my nobility, which naturally builds up my respectability, which makes me attractive to women. That is the answer to the question, what attracts women to men? The answer is nobility, which is the respectability, the level of respectability a man has. That is what they find attractive. It's not about muscles, I mean, or confidence. It's not about that because women... Uh, I mean, yeah, women want their men to be beautiful, but not as much as they want their men to be noble. You know, and sure, men like their women to be noble, but not as much as they like them to be beautiful. It's primary versus secondary. It's a yin and yang that do, makes up the attraction. Do a lot of relationships fall apart because the woman's fooled by the man at first, and then they, you know, later on realizes that he's just a man child, and he loses, she loses respect for him. Like, is that one of the main yes, things that, that kind of happens? It seems like well. That can happen, but a lot of the times, actually, what I've seen and a lot of people that I've coached, it actually comes down to when a man was noble, but he stopped esteeming himself. And then he started losing that respectability. She started losing respect for him. And then because of that, uh, the relationship fell apart because as soon as there's a lack of respect, he becomes unloving, and then the relationship just falls apart, yeah. all because he stopped esteeming himself. Or look at it this way. The woman gets in a relationship with the guy. She really loves him. It's, it's fantastic. She's respectful. He's respectable. And then all of a sudden, she desires him to worship her. And then she says, you need to worship me. And then he buys into that and he starts worshiping her. And she's loving it. She's loving it. She's loving it. And then all of a sudden, she starts losing respect for him because it's like, wow, he's worshiping at me now. You know, is he, is he going to keep carrying on like this? You know, why am I wasting my time with someone like this? If, if like I'm all he cares about, if I'm all that yeah. there is on his mind. Yeah. 
you know, and then she starts losing respect for him. And then he becomes unloving due to that lack of respect and the relationship falls apart. And she completely self-sabotaged that by expecting him to worship her. And then he bought into it, which yeah. sounds like Adam and Eve, technically. You know what I mean? It, yeah. It's ridiculous. So is, does that kind of summarize that No More Mr. Nice Guy book then? Is that is that sort of the one of the core the core things or is that separate? The, 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 the core things about No More Mr. Nice Guy is how to get to a point where you can actually start esteeming yourself, okay. actually. Yeah. So it's a the, ton of self-reflection. Yeah. yeah, the path of self-reflection. And uh, King, Warrior, Magician, Lover represents my personal philosophy from a Jungian psychology point of view on how to define and obtain manhood or the mature masculine. But to even start the road, that's what... Uh, uh, no more Mr. Nice Guy represents. So, and it really is broken down to in the four pillars of self-intimacy, which are taking responsibility for meeting your own needs, having personal standards, having personal boundaries, and having personal goals. These four pillars are based on what a person needs to have built within their souls in order for them to actually know themselves or find themselves. Everyone's like, oh, I need to find myself. This is how you do it, Right. Like when we're raising children, never ask your children what they're going to be when they grow up. Like never ask them that. No, 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 no. The question you need to ask them is, what are you going to do to meet your needs when you come of age? That's the question. Because if you get your children thinking about meeting their own needs and recognizing that they have needs, mm-hmm. then they'll start having this thing called self-respect. Because in order for them to be in a romantic relationship with somebody, you have to love. Well, the, the, the commandment, love your neighbor as yourself, is actually implying that you need to be selfish, believe it or not. Because how can you love somebody if you're not loving yourself first? But So if you don't know how to love yourself because you don't have the four pillars of self-intimacy, then that means you're not capable of being in a romantic relationship and you're likely a man-child at that point or immature, right? So how do you solve that problem? You develop the four pillars. You get the children focused on needs. You have needs. I am meeting your needs right now. I am, as of that date, I am no longer meeting your needs and it's on you, et cetera. And you know, that may sound a little harsh. I'm just using that as an example, but the child has to be primed for meeting their own needs. And then you help them identify their needs and you bring them out in that way. And then you help them develop personal standards. And these personal standards are like self rules that they have for themselves to keep them on track with meeting their needs and not get addicted to World of Warcraft for 10 years like me and waste my life and destroy my marriage. You know what I mean? Yeah. Having personal standards, right? And then have personal boundaries. Personal boundaries are exactly the same as personal standards, except that's what the person has for other people. You hold others to personal boundaries. And the book, No More Mr. Nice Guy, talks about how men are seeking the approval of women so much from other people that they don't, uh, they don't enforce their personal boundaries at all, right? But if there's a boundary, it has to be enforced every single time externally, even to family members, even to your own father, even to your own mother, even brothers and sisters, whatever. Your wife, there's boundaries. And if that boundary is crossed, it's heavy business, potentially relationship ending or relationship pausing for a long ass time because the boundary was violated, right? Yeah, and, and that's a tough spot because <clears throat> acceptance is 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 a powerful tool as well. And then I feel like if you set too many boundaries, or if I set too many boundaries, then 
then I'd be like not accepting people for who they are or whatever. Like where, how do you, how do you, how do you balance that between judgment and non-acceptance and just setting proper boundaries for yourself? Do you, do you know what I mean? Oh yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, obviously I would recommend anyone be understanding, but quite honestly, it's to each their own. Uh, everyone has a right to their own personal sovereignty. I mean, how dare the state be more sovereign than a man? Mm-hmm. Personal sovereignty is really up to the individual. And uh, the four pillars of self-intimacy really represent that. Uh, it, it may seem unreasonable. Like, for example, like I have, I have some crazy personal boundaries that I, that I have set with other people in my life. Like, for example, you know, I've told, you know, like, uh, like my, my current relationship, you know, uh, considering to get, get married and whatnot. And, uh, you know, okay, great. Well, we can do that, but I have these boundaries around that. And we have these, I have these goals that have to be met first, you know, instead of like the whole, well, why can't you love me now? You know, we, we could get married now. And it's like, no, I'm being wise and responsible. And I have a personal boundary for myself that this financial requirement, this health requirement, these requirements have to be met before I consider putting a ring on anyone's finger. Yeah. And that's not just a boundary that I set for you. It's also a standard that I hold to myself. Yeah. Right. Yeah. And that's kind of where it comes from. It's not about me becoming this overly judgmental person to push people away. If you really think about it, boundaries can be really endearing because what it does is, is that if people are respecting my boundaries, I am respecting their boundaries yeah. and it creates a culture of mutual respect, yeah. a culture of honor, right? Which changes society and families and, and even one-on-one face-to-face relationships and shoulder-to-shoulder relationships too. Yeah, right? that makes sense. Yeah, that, that's really that. Yeah, that's a really good answer. So a book that changed my life like 10 years ago was The Way of the Superior Man. I read that just like oh, yeah, two weeks ago. And, and I mean, and, and, and it, cause it was also good for women to read, even though, you know, you wouldn't think so, but I mean, it really gave women a different perspective of, of men as well. I mean, and I, I think that's similar to what you're saying about women reading the- that. Yeah. That one I would say is worth like both those books are worth to read them and highlight them and hand them off would probably be a powerful tool. But that would be a that would be a real big like uh you'd want to trust whoever you're giving that book to. You want to just give it to some, you know, make sure you trust whoever you give that book to, that's for sure. Yeah, well, well even the well, I don't know, just to highlight a book up like that, you know, you're highlighting parts that are kind of part of your, you oh, know, your yeah, inner workings, yeah. make sure you're not just yeah, giving it to whoever, you know. Yeah. But yeah, I would say both those books are worth doing. The the interesting thing about the way of the superior man is that it, it does a lot of, I find there's a lot of language in there that kind of gives you the ability to kind of, in a lot of ways, navigate, help you navigate the psyche a little more. Um, yeah, it's interesting for sure. And I, I mean, not in a way that, because when you first read it, you can kind of take it in the way that now you're 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 bending your will to someone else in order to, you know, oh, it's okay because of this. But when you actually take those principles and apply them, it's more, um, it's a lot more like um, when you apply those principles, you don't feel like that. You you can actually feel the, you know, the way it's intended, which, which was, you know, it's pretty powerful because I mean, yeah, it's interesting because you're feeling pissed off at first anyway, or or in whatever, whatever the thing is. But when you learn, 
once you learn to start seeing things from a different perspective, then all of a sudden, you know, you don't even it dissipates. Those those it triggers kind of dissipate till they're non-existent, and you know, then you're like, well, that was never even a thing, you know, yeah. or whatever, whatever yeah. that may be. Yeah, it helps you. Uh, it helps you just really understand. Uh, like some people talk about, you know, looking at themselves outside of themselves and just kind of like being an observer instead of, you know, just internalizing everything and try to see the third party point of view of oneself. And that's, that's especially, that's especially important because, you know, even back to like the cognitive functions, you have extroverted functions and introverted functions. The introverted functions are very internal, but the extroverted functions are very external, right? And like, like take, take abortion, you know, uh, abortion individuals would consider is immoral, but the collective believes it's ethical, you know, and that's why it's legal in those cases, because ethics and morals are not the same, but ethics are the collective value judgments. What the collective believes is a good or bad thing uh, or a, or a subgroup of people or a group of people of at least three or more. Right. But you know, introverted feeling morality, morality is the personal good or bad judgments. What an individual believes is a good or bad thing um, outside of external influences, right? And navigating that, you know, these books really give you the tools to do that, to help develop your manhood in a way that makes sense and in a way that's actually constructive instead of destructive, which, like I said, is necessary if we're going to put a stop to the fatherless generation that we keep producing over and over and over. Yeah. So how important is, is men, like in, as far as men go in the development, like a, a support network of men that hold, that you can hold each other accountable and all that, like, you know, like in the men's it's, group or some sort of. It's absolutely critical. And even outside of a support group standpoint, men need to have relationships with fellow men, real men, mature, masculine men. They have to have those relationships because it allows those men to be kept honest. It allows those men to hold each other accountable and they'll do that naturally. Uh, like I, I got a, I got a discord server. We got John and some of the other guys uh, there and we are constantly holding each other accountable all the time. And that's, that's anywhere from work or our businesses or our relationships with our, with our wives uh, or even our own children. It's, Every aspect of all of our relationships and who we are as men is definitely on the table and up for discussion and up for accountability at all times. And we do this to each other consistently. And this is healthy. Why, why is that not really prevalent in first world culture? Well, it's because women are running every aspect of childcare. Uh, like where are the male teachers, for example? Well, why would there be male teachers? They're not paid very much. You know what I mean? And because of that, uh, well, I mean, this boys. is, we're the first generation to really, you know, have a real big hand or, you know, maybe the second generation to even have a real big hand in raising, raising yeah. our kids in a while. I mean, not, you know, a long time ago, it was different. I would say even a hundred years ago or 150 years ago, at least it was a different you'd have situation. Apprenticeships then. Yeah. No. And then that kind of went away and now we've got this new weird sort of thing going on where. I mean, I think it's changing now where, where, but I mean, depends on the state of the the father too, but, um, we seem to be going back to the father having a bigger role in the child, child care anyway, in the early years, because I mean, you go back and that's it. It's just the wife stays home and raises the kids. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Uh, Throughout the 1900s and in a lot of cases, uh, the late, the, the latter half of the 1800s, that was very typical, 
But apprenticeships, for example, all were, were required through the first half of the 1800s and all of the 1700s and whatnot because you had to learn a trade. You had to learn a skill. Nowadays, it's just it's pick your poison. What do you want to be when you grow up? And then and you have, you have the thing where the child is told they can be anything they want instead of focusing on meeting their own needs. Oh, and by the way, at the same time, they're seeking the approval of women because they've been raised by women. They've been raised by women. Like they have more exposure to women in a 24-hour day period than they do to men, yeah. especially their fathers. So what are they supposed to do? You know what I mean? Do you find that the, that males are connecting on a superficial level more than, than we should? I mean, I feel like, I feel like before, before like I learned about all this, I was connecting over sports and partying and real just like, I mean, in some ways we had pretty strong relationships, me and some of the guys over. How many of them still lasted into your sober years? Uh, There's a few. Yeah. Because I had a ton of those too, but I'd probably go and think of like two that, you know, hung around once you quit doing all that shit. Yeah. But I mean, it's different. Like when you're playing sports at a fairly competitive level, there is a real deep sort of camaraderie. Oh, like yeah, you got yeah. your back, got your back kind I of bet. stuff. But I don't think it, it reaches the level of what we're talking about. Like I think that to take that to a personal self development level is a, is a completely yeah. Well, like I mean, like, yeah. The goal of this is to get to the point. Like you got to think about what you were comfortable talking about your hockey buddies with. Yeah, and I mean, we you want to create a space where you can go in there and say shit that you don't want to say to fucking anybody else. And you know, that's, you know, that's, that's what I think the meaning of that group is to go there and, you know, talk in a lot of ways, talk to them about shit that otherwise you're not going to fucking talk to anyone else about it because you're too embarrassed about it or you're too whatever about it. Yeah. But then you've kind of got that spot. Loyal to you. Confidentiality goes a long way. And we have that expectation on, on our discord with all the men that are there. And we do have some women present, but it, but, it, but those women never interfere with the fact that it's a very masculine area for the men to grow and, and share things. And like I said, we'll, we'll talk about anything, but there's always this air of confidentiality, this air of accountability. And we'll, we'll, even, we'll even zing each other pretty hard. Uh, in some cases, we'll take it personally here and there with some of the banter that we have that doesn't mean anything in the end because at the end we all know that we have each other's back, that we are committed to each other and committed to each other's businesses, committed to each other's success. And we have a culture of honor as a result. That's something that most men don't even have. And they have a really hard time getting those male role models that they need to be able to develop the mature masculine. Because like I said, the magician archetype is men who have got it raising up other men. There's so few magicians out there. And because of that, they don't have that shaman experience that they need to get out of their boyhood and get into the manhood because no one's shown them. I mean, they're going to band together and get it on their own. Exactly. I mean, predominantly, I had to get it on my own uh, because your your father is either absent or he's also a man-child and inept. And that's predominantly the same narrative that we see day after day in society. Uh, If we're going to put a stop to the fatherlessness... We have to restore maturity to the men, you know, and I don't care about patriarchy and I sure as hell don't care about feminism. It's not about that. It's about restoring the mature masculine and creating sovereign men, men of personal sovereignty, uh, because those men are the ones that will drive culture. Do you think those men are going to put up with the fact that our currency is being inflated to nothing where we have to work harder and, and, and get less, you know, less food on our table? That's not going to happen. I mean, 
like think about it. Would would people be able to repeat what happened in 1776 uh, to create the United States nowadays? No, because there are no men. If you create real men and you return the mature masculine to a generation, it will literally change culture. It will change the world overnight, actually. Uh, and it'll be a and it will be a serious contender if all of a sudden all of the sheep are being rapidly converted into wolves overnight. It'll create abundance, really, because everybody will absolutely need to, yeah. generative. Yeah, everyone's generative at that yeah. point. Yeah, wow, that's fascinating. Yeah, that's an interesting that's an interesting take. Um, I mean, an interesting look in the mirror is problems of society, you know. And I mean, in a lot of ways, it, it really aligns with what, what Peterson's saying, too. I mean, his number one message in, in his new book, um, regardless of what a bunch of people who haven't read it have to say about it, is to fucking get your shit together, quit bitching about everybody else in the world and how unfair it is, and go fucking get clean your room. Everything. Every bit of it. And that's, you know, metaphysical and and all that inside, outside clean your room and then make sure your house is in order before you start criticizing other people or wanting to change the fundamental structure of society. Order determines outcome. If you want a good outcome, you better get everything in order ahead of time. The problem is people just don't know what the order is. Well, I mean, and that's it, what I'm trying studio, to do. How come the studio is such a fucking mess though? Oh, this is like the furthest outreach of my room. I've, I, haven't, <laughs> I haven't even got out of my fucking head yet. So... <laughs> It could take a while to get all the way out to the studio. You're still cleaning the head? Have you seen the house? (laughs) It seemed like the house got dirtier (laughs) when I started cleaning out the head. Yeah. But that's okay. I can see it. I can see just after, you know, reading a couple books and connecting with some people and getting some shit off my chest that's probably been on there for fucking 20 years. Um, You know, it's it's profoundly fucking... Um, life changing, life life changing, improving. Yeah, and it's and it's and it, and you know it really is. It's not like I fucking changed everything or or anything like that. It's just a matter of you know taking a an hour a day, even even an hour a day, and and committing it to that for now is is better than anything. But I mean, <clears throat> I, in the last fucking six weeks, I haven't even I turned on my TV once and watched two episodes of Rested Development. And it's just like, I got too much to do right now to be bogged down in, in TV and everything else. And it's like, um, yeah, it feels good. It feels good. It feels, um, I don't know, like to be honest right now, I don't see a reason to turn on my TV because I've got <clears throat> too much to do. It's like cleaning, I'm busy cleaning my fucking room. There's no time for television. And at the same time, I'm trying to, to, trying to find, uh, that, that group, that, that, uh, that group to kind of spin it all together and, and that's the sort of thing i'm trying to it uh i can see my sort of um i don't know what to call it maybe not my purpose but something that i can see kind of the next stage of of um the community we've created is encouraging because our, our community is overwhelmingly male the summer of self-reflection well that's a different thing <laughs> but um <laughs> that got put in the main chat it was never supposed to get in there but <laughs> That was supposed to be a private discord, but, um, I mean, I'm encouraging because you can only fit so many people in a group. So you got to encourage other people to, to fucking get in your own group, man. Talk to some buddies, find some buddies that you know, or if you, with the internet, it can be anyone, right? Find some people you resonate with and maybe it's only one or two people for now. And, you know, 
grab grab a book start with start with no more mr nice guy and do you got to do the activities though you can't just read the fucking book and yeah, well I you got to do those fucking sure. activities and you got to want to do it and you got to mean to do it you can't just be like okay i read the books so now what you've got to fucking read the books and and want it if you yeah. don't want to do it if you don't want to change if you're just doing it to you know do it then then you're not going to get anything out of it you're just going to bring down the group I think this podcast has helped a lot though for us over the last five years, like being able to, I think being yeah, able to express know, ourselves in an authentic in a, way, in a, like in an honest way and not being really judged. And the way and I that. look at the podcast is because we started it out as just a, you know, like a gag, no, not a gag, but as a, a gag, not a gag, a gag's a wrong word, but we didn't start it out to be this. We didn't start it out to have all these listeners and, you know, was never we never pictured this. No. So it's not like we we didn't go into it with a shtick. Well, we might have pictured it. I mean, we might have hoped. Yeah, but we it, didn't have a shtick. Yeah. We didn't have a, like okay, it's going to be this this and this. So we were able to do it very authentically, I think. Yeah. And then when you can start to get accepted for that authenticity, I yeah, think that can exactly. start that kind all of, of a sudden you at. start to feel comfortable and a little more comfortable in your own skin. Yeah. And then, you know, that can, that can do it too. Yeah. And then people sharing their stories. But there's still a bunch listeners. of stuff I'd never mention on the fucking podcast. <laughs> so then, like what? Don't go fuck yourself. This Bus driver. <laughs> 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 Let's clean out your closet first. Bus driving ground. I've been cleaning mine out for a decade. I know. <laughs> I'm just getting started. So yours was probably, your trigger was probably, um, <clears throat> getting sober yeah that yeah, started off part of it aa well that was part i mean the 12 steps was part of it but I, the treatment center i went to and then learning all this other stuff like just being into the spiritual stuff and self-development and the, the way of the superior man and all but i mean we had those groups like i was in a men's group and in, in in an aa group that was like 60 fucking solid dudes that were helping each other through sobriety like that was powerful shit getting up in yeah, front yeah. Of, getting up in front of those guys and having to talk about your story and your shit and get it out like it was pretty powerful so yeah. that's that that kind of stuff was is very similar and then <clears throat> and then um but i was into some some spiritual stuff before that like i think that helped me get into into sobriety what i was like looking at sort of like law of attraction and, and like Eckhart Tolle type stuff. Like I was reaching for that stuff. And then that's when everything sort of switched over. Huh? Yeah. That's interesting. Yeah. It wasn't like, like that. Yeah. See the way I looked at it, the, what, what I, the, the, the interesting thing about it is all I, all I really, I mean, and obviously it's not just, that's all you do because it's kind of a, it's a mindset. So you're always doing it or trying to. But I mean, honestly, I just took the time that I was putting into my fucking social media yeah, and fucking put that into fucking focusing on this and on that every day, because, you know, I figure if you take that time that you're spending on social media and fucking around watching TV every day, and maybe you're not, but those were my things. That no, I could, but it's just hard to know because social media is a part of the podcast. So you think you're working in a way for the podcast yeah, and then it kind of takes there's a you line. down. A, yeah, yeah, there's a line for sure. Yeah. But I mean, I deleted my Facebook and things like that. That's another one. And. And that's kind of what the the Peterson that was that that all started with the Peterson book because that was kind of like um, he gets you to start adding up your time that you're wasting oh, in a day, really? and then he doesn't tell you yeah. what wasted time is. He's like, you decide on your own what's wasted time and what's not. And um, so I tallied up, and you start, and he's like, pay yourself fifty bucks an hour. 
and it fucking adds up quick. And you're like, holy fuck. And if you just take a fraction of that time and start up, I was like, if you take a fraction of that time and apply it to making yourself a better person, yeah. might as well give it a whirl. Yeah. So that got me into talking to Chase and reading a couple books and the whole sort of train got. Yeah, right on. I bought, his good, self, I bought the self-authoring program too. I just, just, I'm only about just getting started on that. That's pretty fucking. That's good. I'm happy Pretty crazy you. shit too. See what happens. Yeah, part of the thing in, in, in the train wreck, bro. Part of the thing in the in the in the step work or whatever. Just disappear. As well. and, and refuge recovery even is they they you got to do. I mean, if you're gonna follow some of the program, you got to do your your own inventory, right? Like you look at your suffering and what caused your suffering, and and looking at your defects of character and all that. So that sort of helped try and clean house as well. Just acknowledging that and then having to say it to another person. That's right. The podcast is all a part of that, though, for sure, in yeah. a lot of ways. Yeah. As you think about, yeah. Wow. So, do you do you want to touch on? I don't know how. I don't even know how much time has gone by or how much time we have left. But An hour um, fifteen. So, do you want to talk? I mean, you you mentioned some interesting stuff in your own life and your own goals and all. I do. Do we want to transition into that? Do you think, or do you want to keep going on to what you do? Do you want yeah. to talk? We should talk a little bit about, like, you know, you Darren's already mentioned how much you've helped and and this stuff, and that's fast fascinating for me to see and. I'm super fucking happy for you guys, Darren and his group okay. support group. Um, do yeah. you want to talk? Do you, is there more stuff you want to talk about, about what you do for people and the coaching and aspect and all that before we transition into some of this interesting stuff you're talking about your future plans? Yeah, yeah, sure. Um, I, I think I just want to talk about, uh, my motivation and why I do it. And, it, it really comes from the fact I, I got married. I got married when I was 19 years old. I was a total man child and uh, she lost all respect for me pretty quick, but I was like super religious and we kept this marriage on for, for going for so long. And then all of a sudden children started coming around and it just turned into a really big shit show. And, and as much as I used to blame her for a lot of the things, it, it, and I even learned the psychology. I learned my cutting edge, you know, psychology stuff specifically to save my marriage. Right. Well, uh, I, I still failed. I still failed at it because I was a man child. And, uh, I know that men out there continue to have this experience and, it, and yes, I do coach women too. Uh, but I really spend a lot of time focusing on men because, I'm tired of the fatherless generation because I think the fatherless generation is the problem. If we could just turn the hearts of children to their fathers and turn the hearts of fathers to their children, society will change for the better and we'll have men of personal sovereignty. And then we won't have the political bullshit or even the health bullshit or, or glyphosate and atrazine in our food, for example, all this bad crap in our society happening because men won't take it. Because men are men have self respect and they have mutual respect for each other, and they would basically rise up and make changes on their own. Well, they wouldn't be doing it, you know, in the first yeah, place. There's a bunch of people it. that are absolutely complicit in it. Yeah, yeah, exactly. And they'll get on their soapbox, and in if that the name doesn't of work, a paycheck. Then, yeah, the, the, those men will get on their soapbox and talk about it. if that doesn't work. Well, then they'll go to the ballot box. Well, if that doesn't work, they'll go to the judicial box. Well, if that doesn't work, then they'll go to the ammo box. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like whatever it takes because men of personal sovereignty will take care of business and they won't be like these little bitches because 
they realize it's better to be hated and respected than it is to be loved and treated like a little bitch. Yeah. And that's literally how society is structured right now. It's creating little bitches everywhere and making people live like cattle, like yeah. literal cattle. Yeah. And I'm sick of it. And because I was cattle, my woman at that point in time did not, uh, did not treat with any respect. And quite honestly, I agree with her. I don't, I, I completely agree with her. I completely agree with the fact that she would have nothing to do with me because I was a horrible loser and a horrible example to my son. You know what I mean? And, and yeah, our relationship can't be salvaged anymore, but you know what? It's my fault. After years of putting it on her, I have to be the one to take responsibility for my actions. Yeah. That's the whole point. So and I have, how did you come to the conclusion about the bigger picture and the, and the, and the, you know, the fathers and stuff like how, how did that process happen for you? Well, uh, it, it really came down to me just looking at society as a whole and realizing just how screwed up it was and realizing that there was no way that I was the only person that had this experience. And I started talking to a whole bunch of my peers and, and starting to read a bunch of books and, uh, and listen to uh, a podcast and various media, try to understand specifically what the root cause of the problem was, why society was so bad. You know, why do I have these physical ailments? Why, why is there, uh, you know, why is GMOs a bad thing? For example, all of these different aspects of life that permeates everything in our very toxic, toxic, inflammatory society. And that, and, I, and that's even mentally toxic and mentally inflammatory because all the stress that we live under at all times, mm -hmm. where does this come from? And the thing I kept on going back to was the fact that everyone is ignorant and everyone is immature. And I realized that the reason what caused all of my problems was my lack of maturity. And it's like, well, hold on. I'm, and, and, I, and I had this discussion with myself when I was 27 years old, about to, tw about to turn 28. I was like literally on the cusp of turning 28. And I was in Vegas when this happened. And I just had this conversation with myself. And it's like, well, what happened? Like, why is it this way? And then all of a sudden, like a big epiphany. And I realized it's because... I am the most immature human being I've ever met. And <laughs> because of that, I, I, I wasn't going to do it anymore. You know, and I was in a strip club when I had this epiphany. Wow. And uh, uh, it, the epiphany happened as soon as I touched some amazing Asian titties, just to be honest. And, I, and, I, and all Pretty of a sudden, I could, feel, I could feel at that moment while holding this, this woman's titties, uh, I could feel at that moment all of my self-respect literally returning to me after not having it for decades. And it was the most amazing experience. And I immediately went home and told my wife about it to her face and then told her to say like, great, you can either divorce my ass right now, or you're going to agree to allow me to see other people. I just laid down the law. I was like, nope, we're not doing this anymore. She got mad at me, you know, and, and whatnot. But then a few days later, she actually came up to me and said, you know what? I thought a lot about what you said. And you know, I think it'd be okay if you saw other people. And, uh, and then that's, that's basically, I began the process of regaining my manhood after that. And having this experience has been important to me to show other people, other men, you don't have to be man children anymore. Where you're at is not where you have to stay. What you have is not all that you can have. You're the head and not the tail, you know, order determines outcome. If you want a good outcome, you need to have to get your life in order. Faith, family, fitness, finance, and friends. Uh, I learned those concepts from a mentor that I had years ago. His name's Ken Hubbard. He's a good dude. Uh, and that, that helped 
propel me on this path of manhood and develop king warrior magician lover and which i'm still working on it constantly on a daily basis and and really leveraging that magician because no one ever leveraged that magician for me no one did so i am trying to bring up fellow men into the mature masculine rapidly because i know that if i do this i will change culture overnight mm. because let me tell you something here's my other motivating factor i have a three-year-old daughter she is extremely precious to me the last thing i want is that when she comes of age that she is a man child there for her that's not gonna go well with me yeah. I need to have a man that I respect. He could be a young man, but as long as I respect him, that's all I care about. And then I'll be like, oh, thank God, someone I respect is with my daughter. And then I won't freak out and be afraid anymore. So I have to keep producing men as much as possible so that there's a chance that she won't be end up with a man child when she comes of age. And not only will I respect her when she comes of age, but beyond that, she'll respect me. Yeah. Wow. Oh, all from a Platinum Club experience. Nice. Was it the Platinum Club? <laughs> no, I'm just kidding. I don't know. No, it was Treasures. <laughs> yeah, it's Treasures. I've never been to Vegas. Oh, really? No. Don't go. I probably will. <laughs> so. <laughs> I went to Seaside. I had some beers. Yeah. yeah. There's only three or four, but yeah. enough. Yeah. I was, I was proud of you for not getting out of control. There you go. Yeah. Thanks, buddy. I've seen you in that state. <laughs> the first paradigm I got pretty wrecked up. <laughs> so, so, uh, but this isn't your ultimate goal. Uh, it is, it is my ultimate, my ultimate goal is to change fatherlessness, but I've been, uh, and, and to change culture and bring back personal sovereignty to men. That is my number one, uh, most important goal. Absolutely. Right, right. Uh, it's just how I'm getting there is different. Okay. Uh, I, I could teach this personal philosophy from a man stuff, but I also talk about the Jungian analytical psychology. Why? Well, it's because this, this personal philosophy stuff and men and whatnot, that's really human nurture, but I need to help people understand their nature and who they actually are. The whole, you got to find yourself, you know, you got to know who you are. You got to know everyone because you have to have understanding. The whole, the whole hidden meaning behind the golden rule, treat others the way you want to be treated. Okay, so I'm an ENTP, right? 3% of the population are ENTP, super rare type right? People just don't know how to deal with me. And because of that, I'm demonized, derided, uh, treated like crap because I make up a very low minority among the type sphere of the total human consciousness, right? So based on that, if I want people to be okay, if, I, if people are going to treat me well as an ENTP and respect me as an ENTP, well, that means it's my responsibility to learn other everyone else's types and treat them as such. Hmm. And instead of judging them to my standard, I'm judging them to their standard for their type and who they are and what they are capable of right. because no one ever did that for me. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's what I do. I, I try to do this for people so that they realize who they are. And then, and then after that, they can start developing self-respect life rule. Number one, above all else, respect thyself. And that is that is the most important standard by which I live my life. Self-respect is everything. And how can I self have self-respect if I don't even know who I am? You know what I mean? Yeah. And that's where, that, that's where I start. I start off with that and it's like, oh, you're one of these 16 archetypes and you have these four personalities inside your head. 
And uh, here's how you interact with yourself, but here's how you interact with people around you. And we start typing the people around you and they're like, oh, wow, yeah, that would make sense. How it makes sense why my dad's so upset at me for not wanting to work on the car with him in the garage when all I want to do is play video games instead, you know, or those types of things, you know, when you have mechanically inclined children versus non-mechanically inclined children, you know, for example, or, um, or other types of people who society automatically assumes is ADD or ADHD, yeah. or they're autistic, right. when that has nothing to do with it. That's just their psychology. That's their personality type. But society thinks they're ADD mm. and ADHD, or they're autistic, and then puts them on pills or something. Oh, that's going to drive you nuts. Like, oh, yeah. I, through the roof. Through the roof. I go to 11 like John does. <laughs> yeah. Not, not good. Yeah, no kidding. Well, there's a ton of that these days, and medication is just unreal. <clears throat> So what about the, so how are you going to handle, how is the path different then in the future for you to get this? So, so, All right. so, so, uh, what I'm going to be doing is that yes, right now I focus, I've been, I offer coaching to people. Uh, I teach my, uh, philosophy about manhood and, uh, I, I get people infographics so they can learn along. I produce a lot of video content right now with my YouTube channel uh, and do the newsletter and, and I will be, uh, an auth I'm authoring a few books right now, two books, and I hope to have both of them published next year. That's nice, but that's not the ultimate goal. Not, not remotely. The, the ultimate goal with this is to like, for example, imagine, uh, imagine social media that is completely aware of this form of, uh, Jungian analytical psychology that has algorithms that can help people understand each other and help people parent their children, help people be in intimate relationships, help people uh, uh, work well with each other and match, match certain jobs with, uh, with certain types of people, uh, you know, match certain people for, for intimate relationships, uh, provide strategies, uh, even specific schools that have different cultures that would be ideal for certain kinds of children and not for other kinds of children. All of this information will be provided to the end user at all times. While simultaneously on the back end, we're taking all that data from all the users and we're actually able to start mapping out human nurture. We have human nature mapped out with the Jungian analytical psychology already, but then we're actually going to be able to see how people's types are interacting with daily life. Like, and that includes their purchasing decisions. That includes how they communicate, even over text chat, uh, what subjects that they like looking at, what types of posts they like looking at, just to see, okay, well, these types are more interested in this type of uh, content. These types are more interested in that type of content. And it will really start to be able to solve burning questions that we've had ever since the beginning of Jung creating the science. Uh, one example. Uh, what, uh, you know, does it, does it matter? Uh, like, so for example, um, my children, uh, my son, he's an INFJ, but his father's an ENTP. That's me. And his mother's an ESFP, right? Is there an hidden algorithm where I could actually calculate based on the parents, uh, you know, of their, of one generation or maybe three generations back and average them together and create a weighted average to actually predict the type of the child that will be produced through a genetic standpoint. I'll be able to answer that question with this kind of data, mm -hmm. you know, uh, and, and prove whether or not it really is just like handedness. Cause right now the psychological community thinks that, you know, your type manifests in your head because of your handedness, just like your handedness. Like I'm left-handed, you know, some people are right-handed and you just don't know, right. Uh, it just kind of happens, you know, and just, and, and people's types just kind of that way. Well, with all this data, we're going to be able to figure it out. The problem is there's risks. It's insanely risky 
to have this proprietary data out there just for anyone to use. Because then if we are able to predict people's types ahead of times, certain types could be labeled undesirable. And then we have mental eugenics on our hands. Uh, also, uh, there's also uh, the risk of transhumanism, artificial intelligence. People could take these algorithms behind uh, these technologies and finish artificial intelligence. Because with this, you could actually program feelings into a machine. Because logic is innately attached to ethics, and you can actually using algebra, you can you can actually calculate ethics based on logic or with rationale, because it's it's based on uh, multi-streaming logic. You can algorithmically actually program morals into a machine, right? You can actually code in feelings, and you can make AI more human as a result of these algorithms. So it's not without risk. There's huge risks to deploying the system and deploying these algorithms and putting out there on social media and gathering all of this data. Uh, but the way I see it is, yes, that's super dangerous. And yes, that could cause a lot of problems for our future collectively. But from my point of view, it's inevitable. So it's better that I'm the one who's driving that bus, bus driver, <laughs> you know? Uh, than than somebody else because it's inevitable. I can't stop it from happening. So it's best that I'm in that driver's seat instead of somebody else being in that driver's seat because I can defend the intellectual property. I can move the intellectual property forward and have a vision in the vision that it should go. I mean, uh, look look at nuclear physics. I mean, the idea was to find free, unlimited, uh, low cost energy for everybody, and instead we created atom bombs. You know what I mean? Like any technology out there could be weaponized or, or caused or turned in, or twisted in such a way where it could be used for evil and as much as it could be used for good. So it's like, well, okay, well, what am I supposed to do? You know what I mean? Try to protect it and protect the future. And by getting involved with it, that's how I can protect it. Because if I don't get involved with it, somebody else is going to, yeah. if they're not already, and yeah. then we're screwed. Yeah. Wow, hmm. that sounds fascinating. Sounds like fun. I'm uh, I'm off Twitter. I gotta we gotta you, get off Twitter now. We're in your profile. Would you t would you have to test? Would you t test everybody? Would everybody go through tests to see where they're at? Like, how do you figure out? How did you figure out what I was, or how did like how do people figure out what they are? Well, uh, you uh, you can take tests. That's what the MBTI is. It's a test, and it's like 150 questions. Uh, Linda Barons uh, and Plato. If you put both of their uh, if you put both. Uh oh, hang on a sec. We lost you there. Mike went out there. That's that's my fault. Uh, okay, okay. So uh, Plato and Barons, uh, you can put their work together and create a type grid. If you go to csjoseph.life, like right now, and like put in your email on my on the very front page, you can download a PDF of this type grid, and it's how you could type people. And it's basically like times tables. It's a, it's a it's a 16 uh, slot, four by four, um, you know, four times four grid. And all you have to do is identify a person's temperament and their interaction style, and you can instantly know what type they are. And it. you can actually create an algorithm that, that scans Facebook, for example, and all the posts based on certain keywords. And you can actually identify people's types like instantly like that. And then you instantly know uh, how they make the decisions. You instantly know how they gather data. You know where their insecurities are and where their fears are. You know where their worries are. Uh, you know where they're critical. You know their biggest weaknesses. You know all this information about these people like that. 
And then you can then start a manipulation campaign on that person with third parties. And, you know, like it can be used for insane evil. Or you can also uh, use it to sell them certain things because uh, you can engage their personality and convince them very easy, you know, to sell uh, certain products to these people, either through ads or actually paying somebody to use Facebook Messenger or on Twitter to do a direct message to this person. Hey, have you thought of this? engaging their cognitive functions in a positive way in order to increase the chances of a sale, right? And it's all manipulation. This can be done at that level. You know what I mean? That's why it's dangerous. And yeah. it's, it's coming, yeah. if not already here. Wow. So is, is one of the reasons why Darren and I are, are uh, we have chemistry is because we're both uh, in that one column, like idealist people focus. Yeah. Idealist. Yeah, yeah. You're both idealists, intuitive feelers. Um, all about bringing that ideal world. Uh, Darren, because he's a dreamer, he dreams up the vision of the ideal, but you as the mentor, you teach others the ideal, you execute the ideal. You bring the, you were the driver, uh, the bus driver, uh, the driver of the ideal. You're the one who brings it into reality. So Darren provides the vision, gives you the vision and you execute the vision. That's basically how your guys' relationship works in that regard when it comes to idealism and, and, finding what the ideal is because Darren would be like, well, I'm, I'm feeling, a, I was thinking about this and, you know, and, and you're like, yeah, yeah, that's good. Okay. Awesome. I w- yeah. I want to do that. And then, and then there you go. And then it's executed and then, oh, great. This ideal thing has been in there. And Darren's like, well, awesome. Now I get to have this cool thing that I was thinking about and it's no longer in my dreamland. It's actually real now. Thank you, Graham. That's dope. You know, that, that's kind of how your guys' dynamic works in that regard. And not only that, it's not just with your relationship together, but you could bring that ideal to others yeah, as yeah, well. Yeah, right on. Awesome. Yeah, that sounds good. Yeah, so everybody head to that head to that website and download that. Type and, yourself out. And then how do they contact you for coaching? Just through the contact yeah. on the on the on the website there? Yeah, yeah. You could do uh just click the coaching link, uh, and then you can put in your information, uh, sign the coaching agreement, and then uh we do like a one hour session over Skype. I, I like to do a, a Skype video session and it's usually in front of me of in, me in front of a whiteboard. And the coaching can be like anything from, I don't know what type I am, please help me. Or I need help in gaining manhood. Or I, I, I'm this type and, and my husband is this type, please help. You know, or, uh, or my son is going into ninth grade. He just he got out of middle school. Now he's going into high school. What do I do? Uh, What can I do for him? I'm concerned that he's going to have failure to launch syndrome. I need to get him back on track. What can you do for me? You know, there's tons. The sky is the limit with the content. Uh, And, you know, from a type standpoint, I'm able to basically figure out what their issue is and we could troubleshoot it. And then I create a solution for them. I mean, even even with couples, I do a lot of couples counseling. I'll give the couple, uh, like I have one tomorrow night, for example, but I'll give the couple... uh, like a list of rules that they have to follow. Uh, each person has their own rules, like uh, um, like Jeff's rules on loving Susan, right? And then Susan rules on loving Jeff. And I'll give them their sets of rules, and they and they'll even share them with each other, and that's fine. But uh, they'll realize that there's that there's something different than before. And then I've done this with couples where I've done like one person give them the rules and not really, uh, and they never even told their spouse that they were doing them. And then naturally they could see that their spouse is already behaving differently mm-hmm. as a result of following those rules and their relationship is so much better. I remember one guy who hadn't, he hadn't had sex with his wife in probably five months. And uh, the following day he did uh, just three of the rules and he got laid that night. <laughs> and he's dude, he called me. He's like, 
holy smokes, what are you smoking? Can I get some more? <laughs> That's awesome. Nice. That's pretty funny. <laughs> there you have it. Yeah, right on. Well, thanks for coming on the show, Chase. Yeah, thanks for having me. It's great. Uh, I, I love you guys and, and what you're doing and, and your community. It's fantastic. And thank you for the opportunity of being here and, and talking and sharing. And uh, just help me help me save or change the fatherless generation into a fathered generation uh, and keep that going. That's, that's all I ask, gentlemen. We're just yeah. uh, got to change the future and bring personal sovereignty back. Yeah, I think that's super important. And when when you get those books, uh, like we should have you back on. Actually, we should do this again. It was a lot of a lot of fun. And maybe we can just even dig a little bit deeper into Darren's uh, Grabs. work. Yeah. <laughs> and and we'll and yeah, we'll talk about your books and stuff when you come on. And uh, yeah, let's do it again. Cool. Yeah, yeah. Awesome. I'll let you gentlemen know when the when that happens. Yeah. Right on. Thanks, Chase. All right. Thanks, buddy. All right. Thank okay. you. Okay, okay. Bye bye. That was a chat with Chase. That was fantastic. That was a fun one. Yeah, that was really good. I think it's. I think he's onto something there. He very well could be. Yeah, very well could be. Kind of makes me want to get involved in that. Mm. Yeah. There you go. Slugger. Mentorgram. <laughs> Better get working on them calves. He was pretty right on on our dynamic and stuff. I think. Some of it for sure. Yeah, some of it, yeah. Some of it seems backwards. Yeah, some of it does seem backwards, but. Maybe that's the nature nurture thing or the like what Brody was saying about the inherent, oh, the, inherent yeah, skill inherent versus skill. learned behavior and stuff. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah it was, was good. good. I highly recommend checking out his YouTube channel, check out his podcast. Uh, got, oh, yeah, that's right. Yeah, Graham can put it all in the show notes. Yeah, yeah, I'll put it all in the show notes. Yeah. Fuck, oh, it's hot in here, eh? Yeah. Hungry too. Yeah, me too. Check out the Spark page, page guys. GrowAmerica.ca slash support. Help us keep having these nice, beautiful, long, in, uninterrupted chats. And uh, replace the audio hub so that the audio fucking gremlins stop fucking with us. Yeah. We need to smudge this motherfucker. Oh, that's a good idea. Yeah. I bring in some exercise salt as well. I got some of that and some uh, oil. Perfect. Mm, yeah. Right on. All right, guys. <laughs> Big thanks to Chase for coming on the show. And uh, I think that's about it. Thanks for listening, and we will see you next week. Having now the biggest crush on this entity I've mentioned before. I'm sick and tired of working in a cubicle. My mojo seems to be missing. Come and go down to Louisiana. Give me a mojo hand, give me a mojo hand. Having now the biggest crush on this entity I've mentioned before. I wish the times they weren't so good.
more you supported the show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. Sure, America's Blah, blah, blah. Blah, blah, blah. Sending out good vibes. Show, I'd be less sick of podcasts. <laughs> 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 <laughs>